Good morning, afternoon, or evening, dear listeners. Welcome back to the Geekening Podcast. I am your occasional host, Will, otherwise known as Iron Crow. But today, we have a very special guest. Please introduce yourself. Howdy. My name is Twins Inc. You can call me Twins. It's shorter. Uh, And I often talk about Ruby. I sometimes talk about a variety of other things. And I'm usually also drawing. Um, I do that all the time. (laughs) Hey, can't blame you for that. If I had talent for art, I'd be doing it too. But I do not. So that is why I write. (laughs) Everyone can do art, you know? (laughs) You just got to try. Someone will like it. (laughs) Yeah. Every time I hear someone think that, I can only think about the Ratatouille quote, everyone can cook. <laughs> I, don't, I don't mean to jump to like, ah, a very haha funny meme movie, Ratatouille. No, it's the honest truth. <laughs> Listen, if if Pollock can get popular by just throwing splatters of paint on a canvas, then you can get popular. You just gotta <laughs> believe in yourself. <laughs> Fair enough, but uh, let's get to the meat and the potatoes. Nice. Uh, you, uh, Twin Sync, also is your YouTube channel, right? It is. So, how do you make your YouTube videos? So, the process goes where usually I'll be like playing a video game or lying in bed, and I will very suddenly have an idea and I can't stop thinking about it. Uh, <laughs> and then I think about it for like two days and then I'm like okay I understand and then I write a script (laughs) um and scripts are usually between six to 14 pages depending on how much I have to say yeah (laughs) and once I've got the script written out I record the audio um and then uh I load up a free editing software it's VSDC free video editor Mm. Um, because I don't have money and from there it's mostly just running around the Rooster Teeth website trying to figure out which episode has the clip I need <laughs> to, yeah. for whatever it is I'm talking about um, and then you just put all the clips together and you try to make yourself funny while you do it. <laughs> <laughs> it we I will want to talk about that pages thing because I too have a relationship with writing since mm-hmm. I am one of the writers for Leases of Geek. But we won't touch on that yet because okay. that is more of a Ruby thing. Yeah. So in my interview that I did, which you can read on All Ages of Geek's website with the judgmental critter, um, I believe she said her least favorite thing about making videos is editing. <laughs> is that the same for you or... Hmm. I don't know if it's my least favorite. It's certainly the most tedious. Because mm. especially with Rooster Teeth property, uh, because Rooster Teeth is very on the nose of like wanting to give out copyright claims. Um, so basically every sentence needs a new clip. Like I can't have an, an episode playing for longer than two like more than one sentence because then Rooster Teeth will be like well that's ours we own your video now so it's just really tedious having to Mm. every time I finish a sentence having to now find a new clip to use to put into the slot 
Um, I will say, Judgmental Critters uh, editing can be a lot fancier than mine. <laughs> so, so that may be why it's a bit harder for her. <laughs> I will say this, that she does do great editing from the videos I've seen. Yeah, it's really funny. Watch her stuff. Yeah, here do. I, here I am telling you to don't watch me, watch my sister instead. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm here telling you like that old uh, taco shell commercial, why not both? <laughs> uh, but, with, you know, with that most tedious question out of the way, what would you say is your least favorite thing about the creation process? Hmm. It's a kind of a niche one, but anytime I want to reference like a specific tweet made by the creators or like a comment I've gotten, having to scroll through all the comments <laughs> to like find one that works, yeah. it's, it ranges from annoying to boring. <laughs> like, I, I can't blame you for that because I'm just sitting here like, yo, say. <laughs> <laughs> um, but whenever that's not an element, I suppose my least favorite part is writing the script, but specifically the intro and conclusion. Because so yeah. often I kind of just want to like jump straight into it and then I finish whatever I have to say and I'm like, and there we go, we're good. But it's like, no, I got to have an intro. <laughs> so that's always the hardest part. And usually I'll actually write those last. <laughs> huh, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, well, with my writing, um, I will say what my most ambitious writing ever on for All Ages Geek was. Mm -hmm. Because I decided go big or go home, which that's, as a creator, that could be a blessing, but also a curse. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> when you hear what I decided, like, oh, no, I can handle this, and I eventually did handle it, thank you very much, you might just go, oh, you're hubris. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but my very first article for All Ages of Geek was uh, Ruby-related, because, mm -hmm. you know, big fan of the show. Um, and I decided, you know what I can do? I can find the cultural backgrounds of every single Grimm. All of them? That, All there's of them. a lot more. There's a lot more than you might think. <laughs> oh, yeah, there was, because uh, my article is over 3,000 words long. <laughs> and Which one was the hardest? Which one was the hardest to find the information for? Um, this is going to be very niche. Okay. <laughs> but the toughest one for me to find was the Zaraf from uh, one of the books. Oh, you even went into the book ones. I went. Wow. Not, not only did I go into the books, I went into the anthology manga. Oh. When I said every Grimm, I met every Grimm. <laughs> And not only wow. was I like, oh, I'm going to have this one here, this one here. No, no, no. I decided to go one step beyond and do them in order of which they appear. <laughs> Damn. And Oof. yeah, some of it was fun and simple. Like, like Beowulf. Oh, Beowulf. Yeah, yeah it's, you know. it's right there. It's, it, it's, it, to quote Wise, uh, to quote Winter, I should say, about being an Atlas 
special ops. It's in the title. <laughs> Beowulf. What? Golly, I went with space stuff of Beowulf. Uh, well, another easy one was the Ursa Minor and the Ursa Major. Yeah, because of the constellations. Yeah, yeah the constellations and mean big bear, little bear. Yeah. <laughs> but the problem for that one is I had to go through the like all of volume one and determine what was an Ursa minor and what was an Ursa major. <sighs> and wow. I think, aren't they all minors up until the one Jean has to fight? When yes. He's like getting bullied by Cardin. Yes, it is. <sighs> and ew. <laughs> yeah, a bit ew. But the thing that really actually helped me was the Ruby Grim Eclipse video game. Oh, because there's an Ursa major boss fight. That's I would never have thought to use that as a resource. That's a great idea. Thank you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> though I do say some of my favorite Grim to like cover the article about was the more niche Grim. Mm. Because, for example, one of them was the Ravengers. And you might be thinking to yourself, what's a Ravenger? <laughs> Aren't they the that new icky-looking scorpion guys that were in the desert? Uh, no. No. Because <sighs> this, this article was written before Volume 8 came out. Oh. Because Volumes... Ones... I was just going to ask, which one's the Ravenger? Because it sounds so familiar. <laughs> Ravengers are from the book series. But they didn't originate in the book series. They actually originated in the Ruby Amity Arena video game for mobile phones. And they are tiny bat-like grim. The bats! That's that's where it is. Because I played Amity Arena. And I was like, why why does this name fill me with hatred? And that's why. (laughs) Yeah, I I loved Amity Arena until they shut it down. Yeah, it was... It was fine. It was fun enough when you yeah, like, it was fun. needed a, a ruby fix. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. And what I liked is it also gave lore, which I also put in the article because everything <laughs> in that game was, you know, Atlas scientists. Therefore, it was canon. Yeah. And one thing that I found that was interesting is the... Oh, shoot, I'm drawing a blank on its name. Uh, the, What's it look like? It's the Atlas version of a Goliath. Oh, the Megalith. Yeah, that's what it Megalith. is. Yeah, it yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> One thing I re- I definitely cited was that the Megalith is like a distant cousin of the Goliath. Yeah. Which, you know, since they mentioned that, I was like, okay, so I can put that in my article. And like, I even went to the back like some grim, I got the what they are based off of completely wrong, but it still made sense. Yeah, because <laughs> at the time I didn't know what the apathy was based off of. Uh, are they based off of something specific, or uh, they are? I believe Miles mentioned it a while ago that they were based off of like this one story, but. Hmm. Like, they asked this guy to do something in the story, and he just said he would prefer not to. Oh. And they're like, I'll have to go find your article and read about it. <laughs> uh, 
yeah, when, you know, as of recording right now, the website is under construction. So when it's out of construction, I'll uh, tell you. Nice. <laughs> uh, but what I thought the apathy was based off of was um, old European vampires. Oh, that's a great idea. Because one, old European vampires were corpses, not yeah. the very handsome things we have. <laughs> you know, the ones that sparkle now. Yeah. Uh, the apathy are handsome. <laughs> someone thinks they're handsome. I worry for that person. Yeah, honestly. Um, but because they're corpse-like, they are very slow. They actually drain something. Yeah. You know, your will to go on. But the thing that I thought sealed the deal, like, oh, these are vampires, was because Barnaby welcomed them in. <gasps> Look at you. Oh, <laughs> that's so good. <laughs> yeah, that's, because. Wow, that makes complete sense. That's, thank you. I like your idea better. <laughs> oh, like, that's very sweet. Yeah, because <laughs> sometimes, you know how sometimes I feel like, sometimes ruby like fairy tales won't be done particularly well and i guess the same is done with the grim where it's like this is the canon answer but the fanon idea is way yeah. better <laughs> that, that, that was my fanon explanation for the apathy was that they were based off of uh, the vampires because like for me i was like okay what else like other than corpses okay i guess i could also say and eh, with the corpses i could also compare it to the drowder of mm, Nordic. Yeah. But then I was like, wait a second, Barnaby welcomed them in. He, <laughs> he willingly put them in his basement. Vampires, because they have to be welcomed in. Yeah, I love that. That's rad. Thank I'm you. stealing that idea. <laughs> this, if you ever mention it in a video, just be like, hey, I got this from Will. Yeah. A peak. <laughs> Quick little shout out. Go read the stuff. Go. <laughs> um, but in the book series, there's also a jackalope grim. Real. That sounds so anti-threatening. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought too. And I did mention that, like uh, jackalope. Yeah, I did not expect this. <laughs> but um, there's also the camel grim, which that oh. didn't have any basis really in any myth. Because <laughs> what, what? it's just a camel. <laughs> The only thing I found is that there's like an old African song called The White Camel. Ooh. And that's literally it. I like, if you looked up a Google search tree from back then, you would see camels. Camels in mythology. Camel myths. <laughs> it's very camel specific. <laughs> and the FBI guy who was watching my Google search was probably just like, buddy, what the hell? <laughs> the deterioration of the search like camels camels and myth camel lullaby camel help <laughs> <laughs> camel, i did not go as far as camel help i will say that um, scary camel <laughs> uh, well i mean one thing camels can do is already scary they, they can be pretty intimidating. They're basically just horses with more power. So, yeah. you know. <laughs> and the, I believe uh, in the book series, it mentions that the camel grim could spit acid. That's a great idea. <laughs> we 
because yeah, I love that <laughs> camel stew spit. Yeah, that's awesome. I hope they actually show up in volume nine or ten whenever we, we go to vacuo. Yeah, yeah. Um, I also mentioned the beetle from when Cinder stole um, oh, Amber's yeah. powers. That was never explained. Um, also like we've never seen that again what yeah. was up with that <laughs> well i will say this the beetle i in my research i did found out was cut from amity arena it was going to be in the game oh i surely it couldn't have done much for in like in terms of gameplay like, yeah that's what i'm thinking too like that's yeah. why they cut it but here's I what i wish about that beetle by the way so it's in cinder puts on the glove and it's on her right hand yeah and it and, comes through a portal yeah um the problem i have is that cinder's left arm is like grimy and gooey now and i just wish it was the same so then we could like see a connection between that like oh since she sucked up amber's power with a grim through that arm that's why it was affected by ruby silver eyes but it's not and i i, I wish it was <laughs> you know that that would have been cool i like that i really like that yeah i so um, often want <laughs> rooster teeth to like do little things like that and they never do and it hurts me every time yeah, it's like, like i just give me the glove on the left hand <laughs> like i have my own little thing i want to, i would like rooster teeth to do but we'll talk about that once we talk about team stark oh excellent <laughs> uh but back on the grim another tough one i that was was the grim that showed up only in the anthology series okay and it has the ability to fuse Grimm together. Is this the one that um in the in the Shiro Miwa manga? Yes, it is. The one that makes the uh the, the like Orochi one? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like I even mentioned the Orochi one and I mentioned the Cthulhu like fusion Grimm. Yeah. Because it does look like the head of Cthulhu. It super duper does. <laughs> and I'd love to see that come back because, you know, we've got like, like Salem putting wings on things now, yeah. which that's fun and all, but just fusing Grimm together, that could be horrifying. Like, yeah. like stick an apathy on a Nukalave and see what happens. That okay. sounds terrifying. <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned the Nukalave because uh -huh. my little, um, did you know fact about the Nukalave is it's actually too grim. I've heard that recently, and until I actually see them separated, it's like I can't accept it as real. I'm sure Miles or Carrie have actually said, like, it's too grim, but I see no reason to do that. <laughs> uh, I believe it states in the companion book of Ruby, The oh. World of Remnant, that it is an imp grim and a horse grim fused together. Because they seem so useless separated. You know? Yeah, and part of me, and that's why I want to see what they could do separated. Yeah, honestly, if they are separate things, great, cool, let us see that. Yeah, I, you know, but honestly, it would have been better if we had seen them separated first, like in like throughout volume four and maybe in three or something, like we see the two separated from each other and then boom put them together and now they're a boss fight that would have been the best because <laughs> now yeah. it's like oh well we killed them when they were stronger together so now it's not a threat 
but whatever. <laughs> but another thing, I even went into detail about the Grim Eclipse video game because they have some special Grim. Yeah. Uh, which, honestly, depending on your opinion on the Grim Eclipse video game, it's a guilty pleasure of mine. I love playing it. I only That's- would... I just wish there was a villain campaign because I want to play as Torchwick. Oh, that's a, what a fun idea. <laughs> I haven't played it. Um, I played uh. that demo from like a billion years ago when it, it had just been a fan who had like made like, it was just Ruby and she you could just kill Beowulves in the snow and that's all it was. It really was just mm. like a proof of concept. I played that an eternity ago but i never played actually grim eclipse but i did watch ray narvaez jr you know brown man i watched yeah. him play it and it seemed like so boring <laughs> um i will say this it is definitely fun with friends okay Especially- see that's my problem i don't have friends <laughs> well congratulations you now have me hi excellent <laughs> but like um one time with uh how i unofficially got my start with all ages of geek was i was actually in the same lobby as a cat oh neat (laughs) and a grim eclipse game stream that's so cool that's so fun (laughs) and she when she said this like every single player was just like okay fine we're gonna do this now it's gonna be (laughs) chaos but we're gonna do it Basically, we did oops, all Jean. (laughs) And everyone played as Jean. I was expecting literally anybody but but Jean. That sounds horrific (laughs) in Um, the best way. (laughs) I won't lie, an all Jean team is kind of fun, but it's also chaotic because of his quote unquote range attack yeah that's exactly his range attack no joke it's just him shield bashing the enemy (laughs) Uh, uh, his ultimate is very good so is um like play like grim eclipse it's like oh there's no bad character to choose from except the one in my personal opinion who's the one yang wow fascinating how do you make the tank of the team the worst one to play as <laughs> because the reason i say she's the worst personally is because of her range attack which is just the shotgun gauntlets and that doesn't have much range mm, that's fair yeah unless that's you nice. go down the skill tree and get the rockets the rockets are nice <laughs> What they really ought to do is I think they should make a game where you can make your own team, which I realize I know that character customization is like a lot to do, but come on, everyone has an OC team. Like people would buy that. Like it's going out of style. They would make all the money, just even if it's a bad game. (laughs) And I won't lie. My very first ever OC was a Ruby OC. Yes. (laughs) And uh, I believe the story I made up from him is like he didn't go to Beacon because of being a huntsman. (laughs) He only went to Beacon because of the CCT, which is the second biggest. Oh, that's cool. I like that. (laughs) Yeah, because he wanted to be more of an engineer. 
that, yeah, that's something I kind of wish we got to see more of. It's like there are more paths than just huntsman and huntress. Like, I don't know. I wish we got to encounter more people than just those who fight Grimm. Like people behind computers or engineers or whatever it is in the ruby world other right. than just watts who's been like the only one <laughs> yeah and what i like about the book series it goes kind of into detail about that like yeah this is a huntsman school but there's more things you can do with being a huntsman mm, yeah is that like i believe because it has some flashbacks to beacon before the fall mm, right and, like, Beacon had a botany professor. <laughs> I wish we had seen them. <laughs> yeah, and I believe the book is either, like, they are either A, missing, or B, dead. Yeah, because... probably. Because <laughs> why make another new character, honestly? <laughs> like... <laughs> and what the book does good, I think, that we really don't see in the show is how bad the fall of Beacon actually was yeah like you know the school looks bad whenever we cut back to it but you know like there's kind of that looming question over the fandom of well why don't they like go back to beacon or why isn't cinder looking for her relic (laughs) you know because she's the fall maiden um and if we could actually see how devastated the beacon actually is that would be great but i guess we'll just have to settle for looking at the the wyvern on the side of the tower until we get to like volume 16 or whenever we actually return (laughs) yeah but like the books do a great job on saying like yeah beacon if you go there you're most likely gonna die (laughs) (laughs) how beacon is after the fall before the fall it's just like oh yes it's a a very good school blah 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 Mm -hmm. nowadays it's like (laughs) there's instant death if you go there you have a death witch it's like hyrule castle before you uh yeah it's basically that (laughs) it basically is that (laughs) everyone goes i'm gonna go there then you get shot down and it's like okay let's let's try Vivali instead (laughs) right right but yeah that's another thing they i'm glad that the book touches upon is how bad beacon really got I wish that the show could do some of that actual world building some more. Like, I mean, yeah, it's good to stay focused on the story. It is. But, like, Miles and Carrie seem really interested in world building. They seem to like coming up with the different cultures and stuff. But so often it feels like that they're just telling us new things about the world that they came up with without us actually looking at how the characters are affecting it. Like Atlas, you know, like... They told us everything about how Atlas works, how it flies, how mantle works, how the how the mines work and the like classism between the two. And then Team Ruby destroyed both of them. And I don't know if we're um, ever actually going to look at that. <laughs> if I uh, do have to say something, uh, spoilers for volume eight. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, don't worry. We'll, we'll talk about that soon. But yeah, as I say, with the whole culture behind the Grimm, it was rough. It was tough. I consider it my magnum opus. <laughs> uh, gotta, but, gotta go through fire and then be like, okay, now I can do anything. You know, I did I, the grim one. Yeah, <laughs> I'll be <and> fine. <laughs> I then like after that article, I did trailer breakdowns leading up to volume eight. Nice. 
And for the most part, I got some things right in my breakdown, which, you know, was cool. But also (laughs) it was just there for anyone to see. (laughs) But one thing I was actually really glad about is one of my theories, because I also wrote theories (laughs) while volume eight was going on. One of my theories was actually correct. What was it? Atlas falling. Yeah. (laughs) It was like, I don't know. I think the moment you see a floating city like that, and then Ironwood explained that without the the relic, it it wouldn't stay in the air. I think all of us kind of wanted Atlas to fall because you don't put a floating city in front of an audience and then say, but we'll never drop it because it's like, but drop it. (laughs) And the... The way I rationalize, like, oh, Atlas is going to fall, is I use the story of the Sword of Damocles. Oh. Which, long story short, a court jester was trying to entertain the king. King wasn't very happy. Jester said, why can't you be happy? You have, like, all these riches and all this power. And the king was like, okay, you be king for a day. So the next day, Justice sits in the throne. He has all this food. He has all this drink. Then he looks up, and there's a sword hanging above him by a single horse hair. Oh. And he's trying to enjoy the food and everything, but he keeps looking up at the sword, waiting for it to fall. And eventually, it gets too much for him, and he steps away from the throne, and he just says, okay, King, you can have your throne back. (laughs) And I was like, oh, there was one thing keeping up that sword. There's one thing keeping up Atlas. I I didn't look into it nearly as deeply. I just was like, Atlas carries the globe, and if he shrugs, then everyone dies. So... Atlas is gonna shrug. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I could have gone that route too with the Greek <laughs> mythology, but I went, nah, let's go deeper. Let's go far. <laughs> yeah. I, though I will say I only wrote one crack theory and I admitted it was a crack theory. Sometimes you got to do those. Cause, yeah. Because also sometimes you end up right. <laughs> and, no, with this one, there's no way I was going to be right. And I knew... It? I said that Ironwood was going to try and bring Clover back to life. And Clover would be our representation of Frankenstein's monster. Fascinating. Fascinating. Because I found it was odd that they just had Clover's corpse, you know, right there with his (laughs) team. (laughs) <laughs> I was like, okay, this ha- this isn't a hospital. This has to be like an experimental lab or something. <laughs> no, it was a hospital. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been horrifying. Yeah, that's what I said too. Like, <laughs> I believe I rational I rationalized it by saying, "Hey, Ruby's gotten darker." So, hey, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> people, people do still hold out hope that like a grimified Pira is going to show up again. So I don't I, want that. I agree. I feel like, well, one, it's been too long at yeah. this point. Like maybe it, it, summer coming back as like another hound. That makes sense. But just having Pira show up again. So then Jean can be sad again. I, I see no good reason to do it. Like yeah. just, just yeah. let her be dead. <laughs> now, since we're talking about volume seven and eight more Mm -hmm. or less right now the atlas arc spoils for the atlas arc 
Yeah. I will say this one thing I'm disappointed that we didn't get to see. Let's hear it. I wanted to see Ren and Vine train together. Why those two specifically? Because they parallel each other. That's fair. Yeah. They're both and, like the yeah. the calm, meditative ones of the yeah. teams. Yeah. And I also wanted to see Nora and Elm work together. I wanted to see Team Thunder Thighs. <laughs> like you know, you know what's something about Vine? Okay. I might be the only one who's like this. <laughs> um, in volume seven, they're having their little like training montage. Um, and Vine is like training with Jean. And Vine has a line along the lines of, have you ever thought about, I think the word he used is stretching, stretching or extending your aura. And then Jean looks at his hands and we never go back to it. And I'm just yeah. sitting here like, what does that mean? What is stretching? What does that mean? Why did you say this line? What's happening? <laughs> you know what? Fair, fair. Nothing nothing seemed to come of that. And, and I'm just like, I just want an answer. It's like, what is stretch? Does that mean he could heal at a distance? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Does he just suddenly have the cleric spell mass, he- mass healing word? Or- right. And like, because, because of Vine's semblance, like it's kind of like stretchy looking arms and stuff yeah. and so i was like is that him just stretching his aura i, I they never explained it <laughs> yeah they, i never thought about that either uh but i, I do wish we saw more of the asops personally I wish, yeah because you know we got a lot of marrow like i feel like by the end of volume seven we had a grasp on marrow you know he was funny enough he was there the most whenever team ruby was around yeah um, and, and plus and harriet was... and harriet and the others were so like they felt like background characters behind marrow and clover and so it was then weird to give harriet the the aesop arc in volume eight when it was like i don't know her <laughs> yeah like and the reason I think we got to understand Marrow more was that he's the young gun. Mm, you know, maybe. That he, like, they, I believe the uh, Amity Arena video game, which sadly you can no longer play. Yeah. <laughs> um, mentioned that Marrow was the youngest member of the team, the newest hired by Ironwood himself. See, I assumed that we got so much Marrow because... I think his voice actor was the cheapest. Um, Ooh, I, for- I, I forget who voices him, uh, but it's someone who's like been on YouTube. Antfish, maybe? Uh, I forget who it was specifically. But he was not a professional voice actor like how the others had. So uh. I assume Mero was the cheapest and that's why he gets to do the most. But I might be wrong. Maybe they just liked the dog boy and thought he was fun and put him in scenes. <laughs> I, I mean, he was a good boy. He was good. I like Mero. Yeah, he's, I like Mero. Yeah, he's, he's the only Aesop I actually really care about. <laughs> oh. Well, ooh. I liked Clover, but then, you know. Yeah, then Tyrion happened. <laughs> yeah, and then and then Crow happened. <laughs> yeah, I, I will say this, though. Um, Tyrion with the pilot's hat is still funny to me. <laughs> like, like, they didn't like you have... didn't need to do that. You did. You, you did. Crashed. You could crash it, but you did. He's taking pleasure in comedy into this. But I will say one Aesop I wish we would have gotten more of was Elm. Yeah, she was the most like because you know Vine. He was 
giving out advice and stuff and Harriet got like a whole arc and Elm was kind of just also there and so yeah I agree I wish Elm had gotten to and especially when so Ironwood was like being all evil and Uh, and the Aesops were kind of like falling apart like they couldn't like they didn't all agree and they you know were really struggling with how they felt and elm was the most passive like vine was clearly upset about it but was like this is what my job is and elm was like i'll just be here too i guess so i I agree i wish elm got to do more and the reason i wanted elm to do more honestly to an extent is based off of just pure aesthetic yeah, the she's first, so unique. <laughs> the first buff woman we get in the show canonically. Yeah. <laughs> Which I understand we why we haven't because of, you know, volume one, two, three's uh, budget. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. If they uh, have I, the time, if they had the budget to like make Port look unique and yeah, Black had I a pretty suppose. a pretty unique uh, body type um but also i don't think they spent their money particularly well <laughs> and so, maybe yeah. who knows that's just pure speculative now let's also get to the meat and potatoes of the ruby conversation since you brought him up mm-hmm. general james ironwood our hero our hero <laughs> the true hero of atlas to <laughs> see <Yeah>. ironwood <laughs> Iron Daddy to some. <laughs> I could go through the nicknames the fandom has given him. Uh, uh, uh. Uh, but now the problem I had with how they handled it. Volume seven, they gave us a perfect morally gray character. And do you know how hard that is to pull off? I know, right? <laughs> and they've been trying to do it for years with Ozpin to no effect. <laughs> yeah, Ozpin, like Ozpin. The, the most morally gray element about Ozpin is his hair. Like no. yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. I, admit, I, I stole that. I, I can't I can't take credit. I'm not that smart. <laughs> uh, who'd you steal it from? It's from Jello Apocalypse. From ah. his uh, Yeah. Watch yeah, I've stuff. seen that. I, I <laughs> yeah. have seen that basically Ruby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um i mean ozpin's not morally gray because they made him an outright victim because i newsflash when his his counterpart is the main bad guy yeah he's not morally gray <laughs> like you, you can't kill the man over and over and then have him be like animate him to look genuinely sorry when he messes up and then say he's morally gray you're not writing a morally gray character there so i don't hopefully they just give up on trying to do that because it's not working <laughs> yeah but then then behold a great Adslesian general steps down <laughs> from his flying city perfectly morally gray you could tell this man's conflicted it's so impressive it's impressive how seemingly they must have just done it on accident and they did it perfectly <laughs> yeah they had lightning in a bottle and apparently either a didn't know it or B, didn't know what to do with it. I feel like I feel like what happens is that Kruby have an idea, but then they don't properly set up towards that idea, but then they'll just try to course correct into their original plan anyway. Like, I think their goal was that Ironwood was always going to be evil, but that they just 
didn't write him properly for that <laughs> yeah like, and so then they were like well he's still gonna be evil and didn't didn't and if they wanted him to be an antagonist that's fine but it's yeah. the fact that they like wholly shift his character like they could have worked with the morally gray element they had written on accident into him and then still have him be put against team ruby but instead they just have him go i'm gonna shoot people and bomb my city ha 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 i am evil now and it's just so weird <laughs> yeah like i believe like i can't say this meme verbatim i wish i could because it was that good it was like does your leader give out prosthetics to those who need it help support his local huntresses put willing to be a surrogate father to one of the students you might have a genocidal maniac on your hands <laughs> it's so weird that they have him do so much like why did he give yang that arm why was he why did they go out of their way to have ironwood stand up for weiss at the party when it could have just been weiss doesn't end up hurting that lady with her summon and her dad is still mad at her like they chose to put ironwood in the scene they chose to have ironwood be the one to give yang the arm for free with like praise like ty mentions like ironwood said that you fought admirably and that you should be proud and it's like this doesn't sound evil i so i just don't understand what they were going for for so long <laughs> and plus at the full of beacon Ironwood Flout said, like, yeah, you can run. No one would fault you. Yes, I just, I don't, I, I, I can't understand. <laughs> I can't understand it either. <laughs> but, and I, I don't know if your, this interview is going to be put right up after the Unicorn of War interview. Mm -hmm. But there is one scene that I think would have been better but would have had to still like an emotional impact That's and it. that is you know in the apparent hospital with clover's death the councilman mm -hmm. going to ironwood the one uh slate i believe it was the guy yeah and you know i would have you lost your mind and then he shoots him mm-hmm I would have liked it if Ironwood pulled his pistol on him and just said, how do I know I can trust you? Hmm, like, yeah. he doesn't want to shoot, but he's willing. Yeah. And he's that just would, paranoid. Yeah, because that would, that would like, lean into... Because that's the thing. He's paranoid. Um, and so having him just be kind of a little bit of a trigger finger, but not jumping straight to murder, <laughs> then then I think I agree I think that would have worked a lot better like that's still a villainous thing to do but it's not jumping so hard into it like with uh, how they do it and plus he's justifiably paranoid yeah <laughs> but see here's the reason why that doesn't work because Weiss does the exact same thing uh having Ironwood point a gun at an innocent and say I don't know if I can trust you so go away that's literally what Weiss does to Whitley. Remember when they get back to the Schnee house, uh, Whitley opens the door and it's when they found Penny, I think. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. She points her gun in his face uh, and, and he like backs up and she's like, 
Whitley, we're doing something. And Whitley's like, okay, well, how do I help? And she's like, go to your room. And then he does. And so, yeah, we can't have Ironwood do that because pointing guns at people are okay. As and, long as and, Team Ruby are doing it. <laughs> in all fairness, uh, Weiss didn't have a gun. <laughs> she has Weiss's, her... Weiss's sword is a gun. Don't forget. That's and, why and she's ha- got the... Uh, the Dust oh, revolver. Yeah, the chamber at, at the handle. Yep. Fun fact, that's actually the original design, like way back when they were first designing the girls, had a more like revolver handle oh, to cool. it as opposed to like like a sword hilt. I think the design they went with is better though, because that sounds really awkward to yeah, like true. work with. But yeah, it was a cool idea. Yeah, um, it was a cool idea. But... but yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm just, I'm upset about Weiss doing that because I don't see why why <laughs> yeah it like yeah whitley was a little can i swear on this podcast um editors do your thing and censor it <laughs> i'll i'll be nice <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah um so yeah Whit- whitley was a little twerp but like i don't think he did anything that warranted even if she didn't have a gun in the sword he didn't deserve to get the blade like poked into his face and then and threatened right. like that i don't know it just feels like in in lieu of making team ruby actually strong and confident characters kruby so often just instead has them be jerks to, to other <laughs> yeah. people and that's what makes them strong that's all yang is anymore he's just Ooh. angry and like dunking on people because because uh, heaven knows you're not allowed to be fun <laughs> though i will since you mentioned dunking on people, yeah, the one time I just that a character dunked on someone, I was like, you know what? Yeah, that's completely justified. Was when Ren told Sean, "You cheated your way into Beacon." Yes, I'm. It's a little weird to bring this up eight years after the fact. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, it is weird, but Ren was right. They were over their heads. Yes, and and what's bananas is Ren was agreeing with yang in that scene technically because in the first episode yang was detailing to ruby like ruby your ideas haven't worked out anymore like lately like yang was establishing why she didn't agree with ruby because we can't save the world we have to save mantle that was her whole argument and then ren goes i agree ruby's i agree with you yang we're in over our head and now suddenly yang's like well i hate you ren you're smelly and no one likes you and it's like what is happening (laughs) it's probably because back it's probably she's probably just pissed that he sided with ironwood maybe fun fact actually he's a bonus fact um so originally ren was supposed to have that argument with nora Ren oh, was supposed that would have break. That would have broken my heart. I know, right? <laughs> but um, but I think then that they decided to split up the teams in you know the not Ruby and Juniper combos that we usually get, and so I think what they did is that they just effectively took the argument and just replaced Nora with Yang, and I think mm. that's what I think that's why Yang suddenly is all like screw you ren i think we're doing the right thing and i agree with what ruby says even though that's the whole reason they split up in the first place um, but that's just that's that's me with my tinfoil hat on there just, yeah just a who knows <laughs> a ruby theory thanks for, thanks for watching <laughs> uh, i'm allowed to make that reference because i'm also from ohio <laughs> 
but back to the topic on hand mm-hmm. uh another thing that with uh ironwood because you know i still one thing that still pisses me off is that we never got yang telling him thank you <laughs> yeah so weird like we yang never talks to him like even if she was like defiantly like yeah you gave me the arm but that doesn't mean anything because you're a bag no we don't even i don't think she has a single line of dialogue no, she doesn't. near him <laughs> yeah it's just so it's so weird like even even if he hadn't been the one to give her the arm like that's something that they have in common like yeah they, they both have prosthetics and so what i don't know it would just have been would have been cool to have for interact with the guy yeah, it would <laughs> and it also bothers me it is that we never learned how he got those prosthetics. Yeah, I was actually, um, a million years ago, I was writing and I was making a fan Team Stark comic where it was detailing Team Stark while they were in in school. Mm -hmm. And I I had come up with a plan that um, Ironwood was gonna get really hurt fighting with Team Stark. There would have been like a transfer student situation atlas Ah. would have been visiting for a while um and that ironwood would have gotten really hurt fighting like a big grim because of crow's semblance and that's why crow becomes really like don't don't get near me that and that like kind of kickstarts his whole i'm a bad luck charm mentality while also creating the prosthetics for ironwood that was the plan but then volume eight happened and i totally lost steam on that project because I, mm. I was so upset <laughs> but uh, what, what, what was i was thinking about oh something. yeah sorry i i just jumped in with my, my yeah you my, did my it, it was great it was great <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was why don't we ever get to see how ironwood got those prosthetics yes yeah, like i have a theory on how we got his prosthetics but i it's one of those like it's mentioned once and that's why I think it's this. Let's hear it. I think the way he lost his part, part of his chest, his arm, <laughs> and his leg, because the Amity Arena video game shows us a summer costume for Ironwood. Yeah. <laughs> and it does show that his leg is also a prosthetic. Yeah. <laughs> I think he got it during the Paladin incident. They mentioned the Paladin incident. And yeah. Arthur used it to fake his death yeah and it's weird it's weird to go with the title paladin incident because i think a lot of people immediately just assume oh that one time ironwood no 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 that one time torchwick stole a paladin that we see in volume two like i think a lot of people assume that must have been what the paladin incident was without like oh no wait pietro was talking about the past you know yeah um so weird i i would like to know more about this paladin incident that's a good idea because because yeah if watts could could fake his death with whatever happened in the incident then it probably took a toll on ironwood in some way yeah the way i think is it was a beta version of the paladin and watts was like in the compartment showing how it works and like it started like glitching and more or less started the smoke and then an explosion happened. Oh yeah. Maybe for a little bit there it was like on autopilot and like yeah. oh we gotta fight the paladin and, and then it yeah, yeah, probably. That's a cool and, idea. And um another headcanon I have with Ironwood and Watts mm-hmm. is that 
you know, how Pietro showed off Penny as his, you know, thing like, hey, this is why I should be the lead scientist. Yeah. Um, Watts was the paladin. Oh. That's my theory. And that's why he says that you stole technology, stood on other people's shoulders and called yourself a a giant. giant. That's such a, that's gotta be the best line Ruby's ever had. (laughs) Um, It's one of the best lines, I think. It's so good. (laughs) Another good line is just the roast of Cinderfall. Yes, everything Watt says. (laughs) It's the... That's why it's the most tragic that he's dead. Because <laughs> yeah, it's like, it he was written the best. No. Also, fun fact Watts never encountered anyone from Team Ruby. Team Ruby don't even he didn't. know. He, he They don't know he even existed. <laughs> oh, that's a shame. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, like, what? <laughs> but yeah, I think that the paladin was his idea. He was just like, oh, well, it just failed. Then yeah, he sees a- Ironwood mass producing the Paladin. It's just like, <laughs> what's this? It's like, well, you shouldn't have pretended to be dead. <laughs> yeah, and he's just like, checkmate. well, <laughs> yeah, checkmate, loser, checkmate, nerd. Uh, but yeah, I think it's just like, but but this was my technology, and I'm getting it uncredited. Yeah, and a perfect segue to people do credit your artists. Yes, always do. That's some of the most annoying thing is if like you see art and it's like, hey, I want to know where you got the the like the banner or whatever it is. Like, where, 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 where'd you get that? And they're like, oh, I don't know. It's like, well, I want to find it. <laughs> yeah. It looks we may, good. <laughs> we may want to commission them. Yeah. Or at least also like give it a like or whatever yeah, on Twitter. True, true, so yeah, true. always credit your artists. But yeah, that's my theory with uh, Watts and Ironwood. That's definitely more plausible than my like headcanon um, fanon idea. <laughs> yeah, with the uh, giant grim attack. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Ironwood, great character. I I love Ironwood. The moment I fell in love with Ironwood was him facing the Alpha Beowulf. That was a cool moment. <laughs> it was the best moment. I think for me it was when he um because his ship crashed and then he he came out of the smoke and he like killed a bunch of grim and that was when he's like his uniform had torn and so we got to see how much of him was prosthetic i think that was when i was that was cool good character i like this character (laughs) it wasn't grim it was his own robot oh it was the robots you're right you're right (laughs) yeah (laughs) congratulations you have learned why uh cat has referred to me a couple of times as the ruby guru of knowledge i seem to remember every minute not important detail important details i forget non-important details i remember every friend group needs someone like that sometimes i'll be talking to my roommate and i'll be like saffron you remember them right and she'll be like no <laughs> and i'll be like okay oh, well anyway no. here's a headcanon <laughs> right uh but if we're moving on to the topic of headcanons i do mm-hmm. have a port headcanon oh let's hear it this all comes from when the way i got this headcanon was in volume four with Ublek and port or at ty's house just okay. hanging out mm-hmm. and we learned that Ublek and Ty and the rest of Team Stark went to school at the same time while mm-hmm. Port was a TA. Yeah. Which 
I'm sure you know, means teacher's assistant. Mm-hmm. My headcanon is like, as a teacher's assistant, he wasn't very boastful, wasn't very proud like he is now. And the thing that made him very prideful, very boastful, you know, very, oh, yeah, <laughs> was that on like a field trip, which like the teacher was sick. So the teacher was just like, hey, I trust you. You just do the field trip. Yeah. That boy's like, oh, okay. And a grim attack happened and he had to be the one to protect his students. Yeah. That's what I think. Like he gained confidence. It's like, no, I can do this. I can protect my kids. Huh. Yeah, I like that. That's cool. Cause because I had always just figured that it was like, oh, I was the only one in my small village who knew how to fight. So everyone was like, oh, you're so amazing. Port, you should become a huntsman. And well, of course I deserve to be a huntsman because I'm the strongest in my tiny village. So I had always just kind of rolled with the idea of it being just like kind of a an ingrained character trait of his growing uh, up yeah, giving well, him like a reason a real reason to be boastful that's a cool idea though yeah thank you thank you yeah <laughs> um and i do have a headcanon about ublek okay and it all does stem from the episode where him and team ruby and zwai go to mountain glen okay and it's the line, I see lives that could have been saved. Because he asked Ruby, oh, what do you see? You know, lots of old buildings, ruined yeah. roads. Well, I see lives that could have been saved. Mm-hmm. I believe he was there at the fall of Mountain <gasps> Glen. Oh, that's a cool idea. And he was just like a history professor like not really using his hunter's degree yeah or license like he was able to fight them off yeah but you can't stop what happened at mountain glen that's yeah that's a cool idea that's i like that (laughs) that makes me want to get like like a like a mini arc like in a in a manga or something seeing ublek kind of surviving through the fall of mountain glen because that sounds rad. <laughs> and uh, in the Grim Eclipse video game, we actually do learn more about Mountain Glen. Oh, cool. And though, it, uh, do you mind if I go into spoilers about the Not game? Not at all. Okay, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> cool. Because there was this old company called Merlot Industries. Mm-hmm. And the leader, or CEO, I suppose, of Merlot Industries was Dr. Merlot. Yeah, he's the, the bad guy. Yeah, he's a bad guy in Grim Eclipse. Yeah. Um, which they shouldn't have spoiled. And I'll go into details why. <laughs> um, at Merlot Industries, he was experimenting on Grim. So he <laughs> was welcoming, welcoming them into the city. And then, oh. well, <laughs> negative <laughs> emotions. <laughs> Grim were already in the city, which they weren't supposed to be in to begin with, and the fall happened. Yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> and now there is a reason why he was experimenting. And he wanted to control them. Yes, he wanted to control the Grim to defeat Salem. Oh, fascinating. Like, I believe that's either a head cannon reason people say he was experimenting on Grimm 
or like it is like uh or, or like he mentions like there's a a bigger thing than out there that we need to no to... i believe no 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 it's because of what he says because mm. he doesn't call ozpin ozpin he says or should i call you oz like we used to oh and the only people to call him oz were in the inner circle yeah wow huh when did grim eclipse come out like do you know what volume it came out yes around uh, it comes i believe they said it takes place between volumes two and three okay okay fascinating well, dang. Why, why hide such an interesting character behind a game? <laughs> because we'll probably never see him ever again. You're probably right. I Even... wish they would stop putting interesting things in supplemental material. <laughs> yeah, like, um, again, with um, uh, Dr. Merlot, he's another character that has a prosthetic. He has a prosthetic oh, arm yeah, and the... a prosthetic eye. Yeah, huh? And also, if you... When you defeat the final boss, which the final boss is a giant mutant death stalker. Ew. <laughs> yeah, it's terrifying. It's if you're facing it by yourself, it's a hell of a fight. Because <laughs> it can burrow underground, attack with its claws, attack with its stinger, and shoot a volley of poison arrows. Yeah. From its stinger. And at the meantime, you have to also fight Dr. Melo's robotic henchmen. Oh. I guess it's kind of nice that the game really pushes for co-op because that's the it, whole point of it the, does, the show. <laughs> even though you have there is an achievement for beating the game solo, which I have <laughs> managed to do. Uh it's rough, let me tell you. It's rough. You earn it. Uh, but if you beat the game with all your friends... No, I think it's beat the game, hardest difficulty, solo. Basically, Ew. after the Deathstalker is defeated, Dr. Merlot's just like, well, screw this. I'm going to self-destruct the lab. Oh, no, Merlot. <laughs> yeah, so he can, the he can join the army of fellas who've died off screen that we just uh, hope oh wait, no. are alive. <laughs> Let me continue though. Oh. <laughs> so Team Ruby and Juniper, I suppose. Uh you know, go to the entrance. There's a bullhead waiting for it, picks him up, flies away. Credits roll. The best song, in my opinion, Lunas Nature plays through the credits. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I don't like that song. <laughs> I'm sorry. To, to each their own. Yeah. However, the fact that it's Latin for freak of nature. Yeah. That's rad. <laughs> that's the coolest part. <laughs> yeah. It honestly is one of the coolest parts. You know, you get a the end screen. Then there's a question mark that appears and you hear oh. Merlo laughing. Oh, maybe he'll show up again in because they've got another game happening in the not too Yeah, Arrow future. fell. Yeah, yeah. Maybe he'll show up again in that. And uh, I'll be like, what? Merlot is back? Oh, no. And then they'll uh, have to fight him again. <laughs> uh, I hope they do. And it's not Iron Herder. I'm the big bad. <laughs> yeah, it would be weird if it was Ironwood. <laughs> well, Ironwood's in the game. And I'm just like, you're taunting us. <laughs> That's the... Th oh, okay, real. If they have Ironwood be the bad guy. It'll be annoying because it's yeah, like, yeah, it will. But also, if they have him just be like, "Well done, team. Here's some goodies, and I am a friendly face," then it'll be like, 
what yeah. are you doing <laughs> yeah uh, but yeah just dr merlot it was an interesting character like it's theorized that he it's theorized that he was with ozpin's inner circle first then he got into salem's inner circle oh. because when we do see the whole council of salem there there's an empty seat there is an empty wow look at wow and some people have hypothesized that it was merlot's seat they kicked him out because he ruined the uh the team acronym (laughs) (laughs) yeah team witch yeah it's like so so we got witch but we can't put an m in here so you just gotta go (laughs) witchum witchum uh but uh the thing with uh the villains it breaks my heart to say this. Let's hear it. Um, well, my first favorite character on Team Witch was Hazel. Same. And then and my second favorite was Watts. Same. <laughs> you know my pain. For like, oh. I know your pain so hard. <laughs> Just like, oh, no more Hazel. No more Watts. No more Ironwood. It's so weird to kill off Hazel and Watts after they've done basically nothing. Like... Team Ruby fought Hazel the one time in volume five. That was it. And they never met Watts. And even behind the scenes, like Watts was doing some stuff, but Tyrion was doing the meat of their goals, (laughs) especially in Atlas. And Hazel was just bumming around Salem's castle, I guess. So they weren't even doing anything. Bumming around, torturing a child. Yeah. Also, that's a weird decision to have, because everyone kind of liked hazel because he seemed reluctant to be bad and he was soft-spoken and oh his sister's dead that's tragic like we all seemed to like him and then they have him torture oscar and (laughs) then they have him switch to the good guys and it's like but now you tortured oscar so no you're not you're not allowed into the team (laughs) yeah yeah, you are no longer part of the oscar protection squad yeah and so it's and then it's weird to kill off those two after they've gotten to do so little but then we still have Tyrion, who's been like i'm here and i'm participating Uh, since volume four and it's like well he's not here anymore he's in vacuo with um, Mercury. Yeah, but half of Team Heroes are in vacuo now. So I don't know. Maybe they just like Tyrion as like an easy excuse to have villainy happen. Like, oh no, there's been assassinations. That, that'll that kickstart the plot. But I'm just like, yeah. if we're going to get rid of anyone, how about we get rid of the one we've had the longest? <laughs> uh, Cinder, yeah, please, please, Cinder, don't exist. <laughs> I'm, I wish. I'm conflicted about Cinder because Cinder's real, the a way more interesting villain than Salem in just in the fact that we've had her the longest since right. she did affect us back in volume three. Uh, um, she was also in volume one. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> kind of, just hidden in the shadows. Yeah, with her with her uh, paper cutout friends standing behind her. <laughs> right. <laughs> um. So, you know, she's been here the longest and she's arguably the main antagonist. You know, she killed Pyrrha. So we've got a personal reason to dislike Cinder. But I hate her and because of how they write her. Like, it's not, oh, she's so bad because she's killed, you know, a character I like. But rather, I'm just like, you annoy me. <laughs> yeah, like, personally. And so I wish that 
they could just write her good. <laughs> a bit. That's how I feel about Cinder. Like the thing, my feelings with Cinder is you could have killed her off after that fight with Raven, and I wouldn't have. I would have been like, okay, yeah, that's a good send off. I guarantee you. I think Cinder's lasting as long as Salem. I think Cinder's going to be the unfortunately. Like, yeah, and which is, I mean, if she's going to stick around this long, please start writing her better. <laughs> Cinder, do us all a favor. Be interesting. <laughs> it helps that at least lately, um, they seem to be more okay with letting her give more emotions than just snark so snark anger snark snark anger anger (laughs) and so that helps a lot but yeah she's just so boring (laughs) Uh, yeah like i guess i care more than salem because salem's just nebulously evil like yeah yeah she's just it's like it's the difference between queen beryl and like her admirals in sailor moon you know like i (laughs) i never watched sailor moon oh no well yeah queen beryl just is just the bad guy in a big chair saying go attack sailor moon Oh, okay and there's like four generals um who are recurring and so we get to know them a lot more and quite frankly uh, honestly the the evil council is sort of set up like that, where we should be seeing Tyrion, Cinder, Hazel, and Watts like coming back over and over. And so then it's like, oh no. And then, you know, Salem's just behind them. But it's never that. It's always just Cinder's here too. <laughs> yeah. And it's just only ever her. So I don't know. And Salem's thing... boring. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah I, I agree. But she, Salem works best when she is the villain in the big chair. Yes. I like when she's the villain in the big chair because she feels sort of like, you know, she knows everything and she's very powerful. So having her direct the others, I think that works really well. Yeah. And plus it feels like she's earned that position. Yes. Yeah. And, but so I don't know, having her show up in volume eight, that was weird. <laughs> like volume I eight. I didn't expect the final boss to just appear <laughs> and um, for some of our heroes to fight her. That was just like, I don't know, especially because also it was like we never they, they never fought Watts, but Yang's go, gone toe-to-toe with Salem. But we knew that they wouldn't beat her yet, because like the show's not over. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it's just it was just weird. <laughs> the way I felt with that fight scene it was like when you take some cookies out of the oven five minutes early it's just like well i don't think we've reached that point yet we we may be close but parts of this are good you know i I like chocolate but like (laughs) yeah but it's just not and we're not there yet (laughs) yeah it felt a bit rushed but i will say this i loved salem's bones just snapping back into place yeah that, that was, was great <laughs> that was awesome <laughs> yeah it was um, cool like fast punch that was probably the coolest five seconds that was not five seconds that was probably the coolest move in the whole volume <laughs> uh mm, I, I would say there was one move cooler which one um oscar using uh the long memory uh, that Ospen's. was cool yeah 
using but Osmond's yeah, cane. I guess I like that Yang because it had so much flair. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? it did have flair. I, I will give you that. It did have very much flair. Though there is one part of the Hazel versus Salem fight I did like. Hmm. And that was the illusion of the of the witch being burned at the stake. Yeah, that was smart. That was that, and I guess that could also like tie into to Hazel's fairy tale as well, because he's Hansel from Hansel and Gretel. Yeah, he is. And and the the wicked witch in the Candy Castle wanted to cook Hansel. And um, Hansel so, and Gretel cook the witch instead. Exactly. So him him catching fire, that might be, that might have been what they wanted. I don't know, but, but it works. <laughs> it, it, it works and it was cool. Now, yeah. on the same subject of fire, Watts' death. Oh, Man, it's that tragic. was brutal. Yeah, it like, I don't know, it's almost hard to watch. It <laughs> it's is. Like, cause like, and because it helps that like Christopher Sabat is yeah. also like a great voice actor. <laughs> and so it's like, I feel bad. I'm like, no <laughs> yeah, because it's not one of those like oh i'm burning alive we see him trying to escape yeah he's yelling for help it's so it's 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 rough man <laughs> it is it's like why couldn't he have just gotten the goofy death eh like <laughs> uh, why couldn't he have the gaston falling into a pit yeah no, well, or why like, couldn't <laughs> have something heavy bump him on the head and you know <laughs> Yeah. It's rough. <laughs> yeah, but good news about Arthur. He had good voice acting. Bad news. Yeah. In death, he had a good voice <laughs> acting. <laughs> uh, but uh, since we're on the topic of death, and I've already <laughs> said volume eight spoilers, can we talk about the second death of Penny? <sighs> what a mistake. Yeah. yeah. Why even bring her back? Mm-hmm. Like why even bring her back that's the thing so often with volume eight i'm not looking at like the story but i find myself stuck trying to figure out the meta like like rooster teeth's writing process and their directing process and what their goal was and i see no reason to bring penny back except to like sell more merch and to get more seats like to get more people watching because everyone liked penny and the show was popular back in volume three when they killed penny and so look she's back please come watch our show again that's what it feels like and then killing her again feels so cheap and yeah i agree with i don't agree with 100 percent with what you say but i do that's agree fair, with yeah. some parts <laughs> you know see ruby fandom we are having a very civil discussion saying disagreements <laughs> this can happen it can Opinions uh, are what makes conversation interesting. Egads, fascinating. <laughs> Egads. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that got a chuckle out of you. Uh, but yeah, and plus in volume seven, Pietro said, Yeah, I can't bring her back or I die. Yeah, so I, why make her human? That's that's the, that's why it's so baffling because it's this wombo combo of why bring her back just to kill her again, and also why make her human when Pietro already established that like Penny can't come back again anyway. So so it's just so confusing. <laughs> and, and it feels bad to say this because I liked Penny. Mm-hmm. But it feels like with volume eight, she was just there to be a winter power up. Yeah. 
And yeah. I have opinions on that scene too. Of of Penny dying and Winter becoming the maiden? Yes. Well, uh, let's hear it. My opinion, like, does it make sense story-wise? Yes. But does it make sense in the lore of Ruby? I don't think so because Winter's aura already broke. Does that matter? We don't know. Yeah, we don't. <laughs> and I'm just like, well, that feels cheap. <laughs> I guess the thing that I don't like about it so much is that, like, they had a lot of talk of Penny during the volume, like, befriending Nora. And also, when she was first getting hacked, she says, Ruby, you kill me, and I'll give the powers to you. Um, and personally, I wouldn't want Ruby to become at least the Winter Maiden. I, I'm glad Winter became the Maiden because she admitted that she wanted it back in Volume 7. Yeah. Um, but so it's just weird to like set that idea into our heads of Ruby, I'll just give it to you because they are friends. So that makes sense. But yeah. then to not follow through on that idea. And, um, I don't know. It's just weird. <laughs> and personally, I if Ruby did become the Winter Maiden, I would have hated it. I agree. Because um, just like, oh, so she's even more OP now. Great. Exactly, because she already has the silver eyes. Like, I I wouldn't mind if some of Team Ruby became the maiden. Right. I think I think Yang getting the powers from Raven could be that would really, be that be that'd be heartbreaking. It'd be, it'd be heartbreaking. It could be really impactful. It could I it could be a really good story beat. Um yeah. And it would be nice because that would allow more members of Team Ruby to actually matter. Because no <laughs> the, the maidens are the only important thing ever. Every plot revolves around getting the maiden so that they can get the relic. And so making one of Team Ruby also a maiden, and then the other two get to be like, we need to make sure we protect her. And then also it's like, and also now we have a maiden. And so right. I don't know, that, that could be okay. The idea of the whole team becoming a maiden sounds boring to me. Um, Agreed. You know, if, if everyone's super, no one is. Yes. Know? Thank you, Sinestro. <laughs> uh, no, not Sinestro, Syndrome. Sinestro yeah, yeah. is from DC Comics and is a oh. yellow lantern. Getting confused um, with the s's yeah right <laughs> but uh um, but yeah ruby especially i wouldn't mm-hmm. want her to become the maiden if t- any of the girls are going to and let's uh kind of zoom out from like the maiden thing because you know we're getting pretty specific mm-hmm. uh one group that i did not like grew to kind of like then loved one specific member of is the Happy Huntresses. Fascinating. So who's the one you love? May. May is the greatest, in my opinion, out of all the Happy Huntresses. May's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, in my opinion, it goes May, mm-hmm. then Fiona, you know, mm-hmm. cute little fondest girl. She's so excitable. <laughs> and adorable. She's just um, enthusiastic and yeah. has nice hair. <laughs> yeah. And then I believe her name's Joanne. Joanna, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Joanna, you know, the big what strong a, one. What a non-character she is. <laughs> I, like, all we know about her is that she likes to fight. That's yeah, it. So boring. <laughs> and then on the bottom tier, Robin. Yep. <laughs> For so long, 
Cinder has been my least favorite character in Ruby. Then Robin showed up. She's so, I hate her. I hate her too. It's bananas because they clearly expect us to like her. And I don't understand. Like she's, she's rude. She's just rude all the time. Um, And then also like Crow is going through his like morning clover arc and Robin keeps just like making it about her. And I don't know why they had her like, oh, well, I guess we got her voice actress in the booth. Let's just have her jabber jaw for hours. And it's like, I don't care about you. Let's focus on Clover and what he's going through. And then, and she just, and, and then also later she like dunks on Clover because Crow's like, he's really down. (laughs) And it's when they've escaped already, right before they bump into Marrow and Winter. And Robin has like a line that's like, listen, Clover, he sucks because he's dead now. And you're a good guy, even though I don't know you. (laughs) And it's just like, I hate her so much. (laughs) And the reason I kind of hate Robin is that- Let's hear it. Yeah. My reasoning is that like, to me, like, you know, this is all subjective. You can, again, fandom, you can have different opinions, believe it or not. (laughs) Uh, That she felt like she was above it all. Yeah, her attitude too. She's so like snotty all the time. Yeah, it's pretty snotty for a member of Mantle. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, and also, like, she is part of the reason why Clover is dead. Yeah, she is. She's actually, she might be the main contributor. Cause, so yeah, Tyrion did the killing blow and Crow very stupidly decided to fight with Tyrion. Right. Don't like that idea. Yeah, it, it same, just, same. But Robin was the one, because, you know, they get the call, like, red alert, arrest Crow. <laughs> and Crow's like, and, this is this is bad. And Clover's like, yeah, we'll have to talk about this when we get back to Atlas. And then Robin's the one that starts the fight. Yeah, and Robin's she, just like, I, I served my nickel. I don't have to go back. It's like, well, Robin, you're not under arrest. <laughs> and, it's like, and she does, she doesn't care. And she keeps fighting. And it's like, why? <laughs> and, and why is this, about, just make her also under arrest. <laughs> yeah, well, what I loved about that is Clover was just like, hey, you know, let's let's talk about it, you know? Yeah. Like he wasn't being aggressive at all. He was being very nice. Yeah. <laughs> but Robin instead no we're fighting and it ends up making the whole sequence feel really lazily done as well because it's like well how do we get the the plane to crash robin accidentally frees Tyrion with a rogue crossbow bolt because she insists on fighting despite her not being under arrest i don't know it just feels so like you couldn't have come up with something better than this yeah like and you also made me hate her (laughs) like come on robin you know that attack rolls when using a ranged weapon in melee range have disadvantage (laughs) and And honestly i don't understand why the happy hundreds even exist like i liked the I like the, the concept of them. Yeah, the concept's cool. Um, and the the politics arc at the beginning of Volume 7, I liked it a lot. Yeah, it didn't that was interesting. Really, it didn't really affect anything, but I was interest, interested throughout yeah, same, it. I was intrigued same. and I, I wanted to see who won and that was cool. But like step taking a step back and looking at the story of Ruby... The happy huntresses don't need to exist. And so I don't I don't see why they were even created in the first place. <laughs> I think they were supposed to be created to be like, oh, look how bad Ironwood's become. 
I guess. Where you did like, a bad job at that. <laughs> yeah, because I would sending supplies to the wall of Mantle. What do the happy huntresses do? Steal the supplies. Yeah, going so to the weird. wall. <laughs> and it doesn't help that we never see like the fruits of Robin's labor. Like, so she, you know, she's Robin Hood. She's stealing from the rich, giving to the poor. That's fine. And she's stealing the the stuff to fix the hole in the wall, which is a stupid plot element anyway, because literally Winter could block that up with like an ice, ice. blast <laughs> easily. <laughs> but regardless, but we never see like that hole getting fixed because of what Robin's doing. Like if we could see this contrast of what Ironwood's doing, but it's important, but what Robin's trying to do is also really beneficial. Then it could have helped like with that like conflict, but we never, she's just, she is stealing things and that's all that happens. Yeah, like, there is no giving to the poor. It's exactly. Because <laughs> it's just the, oh, we're... I, I imagine in Robin's mind, she's just like, oh, we're helping. And then, like, next to her is a starving old man. <laughs> <laughs> the first time we see that hole in the wall, it's big. And the last time we see that hole in the wall, it's, it's still the exact big. same size. Yep. Yeah. It didn't get worse. It didn't get better. No. And so that, I think that really hurts Robin as well. With, on top of an unlikably written character with, like, like, an annoying amount of sass we don't even get to see her do anything good <laughs> yeah, and like, so it just it blows man <laughs> I, I believe like in my volume eight review i wrote like one of the like like you know i broke down like the good the bad mm-hmm. and personally for my bad section it was just ironwood <laughs> <laughs> like I loved volume eight except for what they did to Ironwood <laughs> and like I believe I deducted two stars off just because of Ironwood because of how big of a player he was it was so weird <laughs> yeah like... but <laughs> I, I think I said one of the good things was that it's less Robin <laughs> <laughs> boy she's a character that needs to just vanish <laughs> uh, hey she she might but I, I I was... half the fandom seems to be under the impression that we're going to be cutting back in and checking in on what's going on with crow robin and the no, remainders of the ASOS. I, I don't think we will i don't either they might as well be dead they're as in the plot right now as like glinda and ublick i don't yeah i don't think we're gonna see them for yeah. a while but I asked Unicorn of War this question, so I'm going to ask you this question. Okay. Because this question made him break down laughing. <laughs> or made them break down. Um, so, where's uh, Maria and Pietro? In space, I think. <laughs> That's also what they said. They also said space. Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure Penny was able to push Amity up enough. Um, and that was the last we saw. <laughs> yeah. Like, so yeah, I think they're just in space. And I bet you, because we've all kind of lost our minds about this, everyone has brought up like, where's Maria and Pietro? Especially because like, why kill off Penny and not let her dad know? <laughs> yeah. And, and like, we never see them coming through the portals. So yeah, everyone's, everyone has been like, where are the old people? 
Um, and so I guarantee you, episode one of volume nine, we're going to have Maria and Pietro be like, oh no, things sure are looking bad. And then a portal will open up right next to them. And oh, now they're in the desert. Oh, how convenient. Look, they were there the whole time. But as of yeah. right now, it's like Schrodinger's cat. They it might is. be in space. <laughs> Schrodinger's Coliseum. <laughs> now, speaking about the Amity Coliseum, uh-huh. It makes me think about one thing and one thing only. Let's hear it. And that is the Ironwood Watts fight. The, the best. best fight. It's so good. It is. <laughs> and like, you know, so thinking about it objectively, it is basically just a chase sequence. Um, like yeah. they're not throwing a whole lot of blows, but but it's so like it really grips you. The song helps. And the use of the terrain, because it's not like, you know, in uh, in volume eight. There's a chase sequence with Cinder and Penny, also at Amity, funny, funnily enough. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that one's just them flying. And it's so it's a lot less interesting. Yeah. But the way Watts uses the environment makes it so like, oh, what's gonna happen? And especially because it is kind of hard to guess like who's gonna win. We don't know. Cause whenever Team Ruby enters a fight, you can guess that they're gonna win. <laughs> yeah, which that so takes there's me- no no real tension there yeah like do i hope they win yeah but i also (laughs) want them to get hurt as terrible as it sounds (laughs) the problem is if they do lose it's because they forget how to fight like they start throwing themselves into walls or just stand around looking at people as opposed to like just losing Um, yeah (laughs) but uh but yeah, the gravity fight was just so mm. fun because they seemed to be on on the same level, and the 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 camera work was interesting, and the use of terrain was interesting, and it was just I good fun. <laughs> yeah, it was good fun. Caleb Hiles sang his heart out of hero. Yes, I'm so happy with this like new direction of getting different vocalists to work yeah. on the songs. Like Casey's great. You know, yeah, Casey's, Casey is she's great. A good vocalist. Jeff is great. But uh having more people pitch yeah. in I think helps helps to keep it from all sounding the same. Cuz and- like Volume six, especially, I'm pretty sure it feels like all the songs are the exact same song. And And, and so, yeah. (laughs) And also, I think it also makes some of the songs feel more personal. Yeah, because like now Caleb's voice is like, we associate that with Ironwood, you know? Yeah, like, so Hero is Ironwood's theme. Yeah. And also, what I love about that fight is. It is mentioned offhand that Watts did help make the Coliseum. Yeah. So of course he knows how it operates. <laughs> I'm so glad we got that, like, the anti-gravity. Yes. Because in the commentary for Volume 3, Miles had mentioned that there was going to be a fight between um, Sun and Neptune versus Nora and Pyrrha in that area. Um, but it got cut for time. And But ever since he like had mentioned that all all those years ago i was like that's one of the coolest ideas they've ever come up with what a shame that that got cut and so i'm glad that it was finally able to come back and they did it well they they didn't mess it up (laughs) and also the conclusion of that fight with ironwood having his arm trapped in that hard light shield oh so good (laughs) yes uh, and it was painful to watch it was it was like ah ah and yeah like 
I was gripping my seat. <laughs> it really set up Watts as like, oh man, he's, you know, for being a string bean, he can really, he can do damage. And then he died. So cool. Yeah. Great. <laughs> but Not- yeah, it, it made Watts a formidable foe and made Ironwood like really seem strong for being able to push through all of that it had one of the best lines the show's ever had (laughs) yeah it was just yeah Uh, and i think um with uh murder of birds is uh the oscars which i believe somehow that the ironwood fight only got second place and what could have possibly gotten first <laughs> what got first was team ruby versus the aesops i believe that fight was so bad <laughs> and, 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 and like that was part of the fandoms thing too like oh like the oscars aren't meant to be taken very seriously yeah you know it's all so, fan run so that's, yeah, I'm, a- I'm blown away i bet you the the ruby aesops fight only won because they had yang's hair do pretty effects like maybe yeah i think team kruby like the the creators of the show have gotten very good at like very pretty particle effects they have um and you know it it spiffies up all the fights in a, really well um but i don't know if you look past all those pretty effects i think the fight is boring <laughs> yeah i kind of felt the same thing yeah but my like all-time favorite thing with that ironwood watts fight mm-hmm. not only does it show that like yeah watts despite his figure is a very tough opponent to yeah. beat but it also shows in tactics the man is a snake yeah that's it was dirty and like i guess of course there's no chivalry in this kind of fight oh no but that was, but that was the kind of thing where it's like hey that's against the rules <laughs> like going out of turn in like a, a turn-based <laughs> combat kind of situation like it it it, it was great it was really yeah, good yeah <laughs> it was really great and though there is one thing in hindsight i hate about Let's that fight and the hindsight thing that i hate is that now that since some things have been revealed about ironwood um taking his arm out of the hard light shield is attributed to metal and metal is the stupidest semblance it is it's easy to for me to forget that it even exists yeah same because <laughs> like it it has no reference in the show and there's nope. no hint that it's happening with like audio cues or or visual cues and so it just becomes a way for the writers to explain away ironwoods being suddenly evil um, and it just takes away his agency because previously, if you don't know about metal, then Ironwood pulling his arm out of that hard light is like, he's a badass. He's he so powerful. He is strong and he is willing to save this world no matter the cost. But then once you learn about metal and how his semblance just makes him determined and hyper-focused, then it's like, well, then he has no choice that he his semblance tells him to do this and he does it. And I don't know. It just really, it makes him a such a much weaker character. Yeah. Which is what a shame. Like I feel sorry for (laughs) Kruby. I feel bad for them that they've really boned themselves on this one. (laughs) Yeah. But 
I still, what I love about the Ruby fandom mm-hmm. is there's some things I hate about it. Yes, of course. You know, yeah. the, the toxic <laughs> people can be way too toxic, take some things way too seriously. Yeah. But then there's also the people who are just like, I am choosing to ignore metal and going about my day. And I respect <laughs> that. Yeah, honestly. And it's so easy to do. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, hell, so many people don't even know that it exists still. <laughs> like, yeah. like, they're better off for that. <laughs> metal has become the fandom's, oh no, anyways. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> If, uh, if anything is gonna bring us all together it'll be yeah but metal was bad <laughs> true true but uh since we talk about good and bad parts of uh ruby let's get to a part where we may have to put our hazmat suit on let's talk about shipping oh boy <laughs> um okay let's get the i have to do the pun i'm sorry let's t- let's like get puns. Good, good. I am 50% puns. My spirit animal is Tai Yang. Uh, <laughs> let's get the cat out of the bag and talk about Bumblebee. <laughs> so, Bumblebee. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's a lot to unpack. Okay. Yeah, it is. Originally, I was a Black Sun shipper, and the only reason why is because I am boring. <laughs> like, if a show tells me to ship a couple, I'll do it. And it I am, same. Yeah. And because I'm so such a not shipper in that regard, I think that is a good testament to how much they were clearly trying to establish Black Sun as the canon option. Like, like he, he's, he flirts with her. They became friends. He went to her house with her. Like, I, you know. Yeah. I, he, he had the whole meet the parents thing. Yeah. <laughs> and, and plus... We got the awesome song that is like Morning Follows Night. Yeah. And, you know, she calls him, you know, you're my hero, you know. And blushes. Yeah, there were hints. There were plenty of hints. I don't mind that Bumblebee has become the canon. Right. I I don't mind that either. I just wish they had set it up. Like, I, people will so often jump to, that means you're homophobic. And it's like, I I wanted them to talk more. (laughs) I wanted Blake and Yang to get even more scenes together. I did too. Uh, but now we're in this weird limbo. So at the, end of, at the end of volume six, um, they killed Adam and then yep. they hold each other and they're holding each other's hands later as well. And mm-hmm. so I was like, I understand visual shorthand. They are dating now. And now it's like they're doing this weird thing where it's like the girls are like, oh, I, I like her um but i don't know if she likes me back and it's like you guys have gone on dates together i don't under and the they the fact that like they thought that they were fighting in volume eight when yang had argued with ruby and it's like what (laughs) what's happening and at this point it's we're like we've come full circle where previously i was i was arguing with people in my comment sections being like they're obviously dating you have to be like ignoring huge parts of the story to assume that they're not dating but now we've come all the way back around where i'm like i guess they're not dating yet and i it's just weird that rooster teeth are being so flippant about it like the way i feel about blake and yang wasn't my first option i was again also a stark uh, black sun shipper because i thought the dynamic was adorable 
it was cute. Yeah. Yeah, because you know we have the book, the bookworm, and then we also have the himbo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Say what you want. Son's a himbo and so snap. Yeah, he's, he's a himbo. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> yeah, nothing wrong with a himbo. Heck, in um, <laughs> one of the D and D podcasts, all ages of geek has i play a himbo <laughs> so yeah himbo solidarity uh but then when i seen blake and like with blake and yang when they killed adam my reaction wasn't like oh i guess they're dating now my reaction was oh so this is the thing <laughs> like i guess we're doing this now okay <laughs> and then I was, like i accepted that oh this is the route we're going and then all of a sudden, volume eight, it feels like they are volume one, Ren and Nora. Like, are they together, together, yes. or? <laughs> it's so weird that they're not just like, like, just do it. Just grow a pair. <laughs> like, and yeah. And like, there have been several moments where I'm like, okay, here comes the bumblebee kiss and nothing. Yeah, and that's that was a big thing for a long time because for a while people were like, "No, they're obviously not dating because they haven't kissed." And I was like, "That's not how all relationships work, you know." Right. So, but you know that, you know, we don't need a kiss for a, a a couple to become canon. Clearly, Ren and Nora kissed, and then they got weird. But now we've gotten so long with like it feeling like they're they're dangling this kiss in front of us like oh are like, they gonna kiss like and now just, it's just do like, it already just do it yeah <laughs> like, <laughs> we are channeling shia labeouf do it do it make just... the dream do, do it, it. <laughs> <laughs> uh. and i don't know I've, I've seen people um more cynically assume that they're holding out on the kiss because they don't want to lose the crowd who would um drop the show because oh i don't want any of those gays in my show which i mean you're watching the wrong show <laughs> yeah like um buddy um ha- have you not met jean's sister exactly and... or Ilya. <laughs> oh yeah or Ilya. <laughs> clover was clover and crow i don't care what people say i think they were hinted at having feelings for each other i but, feel um... personally my personal feeling was like it was a Currently, the way they were is they were best friends, but I could see it developing into something more. Mm, yeah, they just gave each other so many looks. Either way, I yeah. liked Clover. Yeah, <laughs> but Clover was re- cool. Then but he regardless, died. like if that if that idea is true, that you know, oh, Rooster Teeth don't want to lose that crowd, and it's like, uh, boo hoo hoo, the bigots are gone. Like I don't, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know what to say other than Seems that. Like- just a complete win <laughs> i see this as an absolute win exactly yeah yeah wait wait um, a minute are you saying that the people who are critical about us may leave <laughs> where do i sign up please <laughs> but there is one part of um bumblebee that i hated let's hear it and i hated after volume six ended how many times i seen the hand-holding scene (laughs) like the first couple times i was like okay okay yeah it's fine it's fine then we get close to volume seven premiere and i'm just like please stop i get it it's the most they have like the bumblebee shippers it's all they have that's the thing i feel bad for them because of that so often they'll argue that no bumblebee was planned from the start and you know i don't know if that's true yeah i don't I, think it was 
But if you want to believe that, okay. But even if you do, you have so little to work with for your, like, if you're making, like, AMVs or, right. you know, my favorite Bumblebee moments or whatever it is, they have so little. <laughs> yeah, and it, it does hurt that they have so little. It does. Um, I, I wish... Because, you know, it's not like this is 2014 anymore, where Korra and Asami giving each other a look is the best the LGBTQ plus community is getting. No, no, they are getting some great rap. Yeah, where, you know, Princess Bubblegum in in Marceline Time. Yeah, and all of Steven Universe, you know, like, Uh, LGBT characters aren't taboo anymore. So you, you don't have to settle for scraps anymore right and (laughs) hey i don't know how much this means coming from an asexual man yeah but i love seeing more of this rep like okay good people are people are seeing characters like oh i can relate to that and that is wonderful yeah, What's it's not awesome. wonderful <laughs> is when you dangle it in front of us. Like, yes, give weird, us an answer. It's weirdly like, like I don't want to use the word queer baiting because I'm sure that's not the intention. Yes, yeah, same. It, I, I, I guess I would use ship baiting. <laughs> yeah, ship baiting, and that is an actual term fandoms okay, do use. Okay, good, good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just like just do it i don't and my my roommate has the theory that they're waiting they're holding on to like making bumblebee fully canon with a kiss um until they need to use it to get more views um Ooh, that yeah it's it, yeah it's it's kind of a cynical thought process but yeah it, it is it but it you know it kind of tracks with their, with their track record of they like to pull out these like <laughs> fan desired things um when i think they're losing views like Um, uh neo coming back exactly neo's the perfect example like oh no we're losing everybody bring back the fan favorite um so i think that's what they're doing i think they're waiting for like this will get everyone talking and you know we'll we'll get a bunch of people watching again and i i I think that might be right because i see no other reason why they wouldn't have just done it already by this point no i will say regarding the Kruby, mm-hmm. one of my favorite things they were ever asked was like which character would you not want to fight like in a dark alley and i love barbara's answer what was it old man shopkeeper you don't know what he can do <laughs> <laughs> and i was just like that's great that is good <laughs> my answer would be Tyrion. <laughs> uh personally uh, if I had to choose a Ruby character that I would not want to fight, um, uh, it would also be like I'm this too. One of them's definitely Tyrion. Yeah. Because, you know, he has that poison tail. He's poisonous. He's fast. Yeah, he's, poisonous. He can fast. see in the dark. Get yeah. Out. <laughs> and my second one would be Elm. Because I just feel like just with her arms alone could crack my skull. Probably. <laughs> and, and that's not, that's assuming she doesn't have the hammer. Like, Yeah, assuming she doesn't have her hammer, which I wish we got a name for. Oh, yeah. They don't do names too often anymore. I, I know think. the, I know the Ruby Compendium has a lot of the weapon names. Mm. And like, um, Port's weapon is called Blowhard. <laughs> 
Um, Surely someone else named that. <laughs> Surely no, he didn't come up with that. <laughs> like, no, that's the canon name for it. Um, I, like, I like to imagine Ublex like, what are you going to name it? You should name it this. And he's like, that's not sticking. And then it's stuck. <laughs> yeah. Ublex weapons, funny that you mentioned him, is Antiquities Roast. That's way too fancy. <laughs> but also history and coffee. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> wow, Glinda's, which is just the writing, yeah, the writing crop, crop, crop yeah. is called the Disney, the Disneyplarian. Oh, the Disneyplarian. Oh, that is a hard word. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> That's um, good. Maybe, you know, I think so many of these names are like, I would describe them as book titles, like the Disciplinarian yeah. and the Long Memory. You know, it's nothing's just like, crescent rose or yeah or ember embacilia that's what it is <laughs> yeah you know so maybe it's a good thing i think perhaps monty was just a little bit better at coming up with cool names uh, like I, some all, of these are fine they're just awfully like haughty is how i would describe yeah, them um Tyrion's weapon is called the queen's gambit that's cute that's cute. <laughs> um, Neptune's weapon is called Tryhard. <laughs> I know it's great. Uh, so, well, since we can talk about side characters, there's something I want to. I don't know if you're aware of this. Okay. But in the books, we actually get to meet Headmaster Theodore. Okay, what's what's the question? <laughs> what do you mean? What's well, the question? Oh, okay. So I was wondering if you had like a specific question you were going to ask me about oh, Theodore. Uh, do you mind if I spoil the books? Oh no. Okay, <laughs> <Go ahead. laughs> because Theodore is my favorite headmaster. Fascinating. <laughs> because he is ten pounds of fight me in a five pound bag. <laughs> like he interrupts his own speech to challenge a student to a fight <laughs> and his version of glinda basically has to go no sir we have to finish this speech and he's upset about it so i know very little about theodore however i do know about him and uh so i don't know anything about the character like like his characterization that's hilarious i'm excited to get to see him now now that we know and but i i hate him <laughs> because he's dorothy <laughs> yeah he's dorothy he's very gun-ho <laughs> but one of my favorite scenes in the books it's, it's a flashback to the formation of team sun okay and I believe like some schools, their naming system's different because mm. Vacuo's initiation is different from Vale's. Okay, that makes sense. And Team Sun just happened to be together. And I think the teams get to name themselves in Vacuo. Huh. And Theodore is just in his office with the students and he goes, so... Who's the leader? I know it's not you. And he's looking at <laughs> Neptune when he says it. He's like, okay, the leader's anyone here, but I know it's not you, blue hair. You can't like, even deny it. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. like and Theodore is not afraid to roast his students. I'm really interested to see what happens with Theodore. Because, so, so far, 
our track record is all the headmasters have been evil to a degree. Um, Ozpin's a weird exception. We're just going to ignore him for now. But, you know, Leo was working with Salem. Yeah. And then Ironwood went crazy. Yep. Uh, so Theodore, honestly, from the books, seems just like a good guy. And that's weird. Because that's the th- So if they decide Theodore's also going to become an antagonist somehow, it's going to just be, yeah, we've seen this before. But if Theodore's the only good one, then it's going to be like, why do we have only one good one? <laughs> yeah, fair, fair. So, but... so I'm really interested to see what happens. Because uh, anything could. <laughs> and another thing I like that the books do is they also describe the classrooms in Vacuo in Shade Academy. Oh, nice. And they are far different from Beacons because... (laughs) Not the the auditorium style. No, it's not auditorium. The way it's set up, it's the teacher's desk in the middle and the student's desks surrounding it. Oh, very cool. So they feel more on level. That's nice. I like that. Yeah. So they have, from the sense of it, Shade is more one-on-one. I, you know, I hopefully that the next, um, the next book, I guess we saw a little bit of Mistral. Wait, Atlet, where was Neo? Where was the Neo book set? The Neo book, I believe, was set in Vale. Vale. Okay. Hopefully we get more books getting to explore more of the, uh, how the different schools work. Yeah, because because EC Myers seems to be really, really good at like fleshing yeah, he, out this these like small details in the world. Yeah, he he is good at it. Don't get me wrong. And yeah. another great thing um, is we see characters that we don't expect because in the book that's before the dawn. That's it. Mm-hmm. The yeah. second one, we get to see Team Indigo. Wow, I thought I was the only person on Earth who remembered Team Indigo. <laughs> yeah, and Team Indigo, it like y- the team's still alive, That's but <laughs> but like they you the main characters do talk to them a bit, and you know the fall of Beacon impacted them. Yeah, but also, um, do you remember Nolan? Of course I do. <laughs> the one who shocked Nora. Yep, yep. Yeah, his entire team's dead. Yeah, I kind of figured. Don't we see one of them get carried away by a grim? Uh, yeah, in the background we do. But in the books, it goes into more detail. That's rough. But that's and... a really, that's a good thing to like explore. Because in show, we haven't really gotten to see how much beacon falling has really affected anybody. Right. Like, team Ruby or pretty okay with it it seems so that's really nice that and the books get to do this and also nolan has a bit of survivor skill oh no oh, and buddy. he is like very depressed because while his team fought he ran oh no what an interesting thing to explore maybe that's what it is i maybe i think the big plot that we have in ruby of run around the world and save the day that's good and all but I don't know. They're good at, they, they've made a lot of characters and they're good at establishing characters. And so I guess I just, I, it's, it would be nice if we got to spend more time with them all, kind of like how the books are getting to do. Yeah. Um, and the reason he ran wasn't because of cowardness. 
it was because his team wanted him to. They <gasps> knew they were screwed and they oh, wanted at no. least one survivor. <laughs> oh. Yeah. <laughs> it is depressing. It is sad. Team bronze. <laughs> yeah. And I believe like one team, I, I believe they mentioned like one team completely died at the fall of Beacon. I wouldn't be surprised because, you know, like, that's kind of what happened. like it'd be weird if everyone survived you know right so but yeah that blows dang yeah. it this is making the books seem like way more of a purchasable thing <laughs> and i will say this the justice league ruby crossover comics very mm. good the comics that's are good. great i've heard very little from them so it's nice that they're that they're good um but another thing that this came up when I was doing my magnum opus with the culture <laughs> behind the Grimm. Yeah. I had to do the episode where the Griffons appeared. Mm -hmm. And I believe they appeared in the same episode with the giant Nevermore. I think so, yeah. So I got to see Port and Ublack, you know, fight. <laughs> back to back against these things oh yeah you know with a one final match barty place your <laughs> bets which i still stand is one of the coolest lines and it, it's pretty cool <laughs> it is and i decided to go game theory on this scene and i decided you know what how many griffins were there mm -hmm. so i counted because we do see them circling the arena you know we oh, do yeah. get that aerial shot Port and Ublek by themselves took down at least 20. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and when I found out it's 20 Griffins, I just thought, <laughs> I want to see that fight. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be great. What kind yeah. of cool, like, fire tornado combo attacks could those two come up with? <laughs> well... <laughs> In Amity Arena, we do learn a blowhard's thing is that it could shoot four bullets at once. That's so unimpressive. <laughs> yeah, because it's just the blunderbuss. It is. <laughs> with an axe. An axe on the hilt. Or like the... the it's in your way. <laughs> yeah, it is in his way. And he has to be careful to not cut off his own arm. It feels like, like an old school weapon. Like... And he's an kind old of, school guy. Kind of, yeah, kind of like a blunderbuss. How it's like, this is inefficient. And he's like, oh, but it's what I use. <laughs> right. Well, Ublex feels more up to date. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but I remember when this was years ago, like volume three just ended. Because I got into Ruby when the last episode of volume three came out nice <laughs> yeah so i binged like volume one and two in the same day <laughs> because i think it was a long weekend in school mm, yeah so i was like oh i'll watch volume one and two because it took my one of my former friends was just like oh i think you'd enjoy ruby and i'm like no <laughs> oh i think you'd enjoy ruby no <laughs> well, there's this character that reminds me of you. Oh, who's the character? 
oh, I think you'd like him. His name's Jean. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? Let me see what this Jean's guy about. Then I seen he has self-confidence issues and I felt called out. Yeah, I'm like, that's an insult. <laughs> hey, Jean's gotten better. He has. <laughs> but and I, especially back in volumes one and two, you remind me of Jean. Them's fighting words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You remind me of Vomit Boy. Um, but I was like, okay, this is good. Then um, volume three hit. And I, my friend, accidentally, I hope, spoiled Penny's death and Pira's death. Oh, no, friend, no. <laughs> yeah, and I was just like, oh, the good characters. So I watched this. Then we get to Roman's death. And I'm just like, what? <laughs> yeah. Because was... Roman, I, I loved Roman. <laughs> and I have a headcanon about Roman. Is it that he's still alive? No, he's dead. Oh, damn. <laughs> uh, my headcanon is that he tried to become a huntsman, but he couldn't get in because he didn't unlock his aura. Oh, and yeah, because they've mentioned that he never unlocked his yeah. aura. And that's why I think he tells Ruby the real world is cold. The real world doesn't care about spirit because back <laughs> then he had the spirit. Oh, that's a and great he, idea. <laughs> yeah, thanks. And he just had his green his dreams crushed. Yeah, because I, I I know he shows up in the uh, the neo book that just recently yeah. Roman ho- Roman's holiday is what it's yeah called. the Roman um, holiday. Um. So, but uh. So it must. I think it's after. Like he's already a criminal. At yeah, he's point. a criminal, and I believe in the book Neo talks. Does she? I thought. Like I hear she talks. I know that she's I like she'll write stuff down, but I I'll have to reread a um uh, a review <laughs> that I that I read of it. Cause uh. yeah, because cause I didn't pick up the book. Uh hmm. But yeah, seeing a young and excitable Torchwick, that sounds like a a delight. <laughs> yeah, I, for the longest time he was my favorite character. And then they oh, you, and, you, and they you keep, poor thing. They keep doing that. Him, Hazel, Ironwood. <laughs> yeah, yeah d- don't worry. When I started Full Metal Alchemist, my favorite character was Mace Hughes. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, and ever you since had, you had such a high range, <laughs> you could have picked so many characters. Yeah, but I like Mace Hughes because he was, you know, he was a very good dad. He he's loved a, his family. He's a nice fella. Yeah, we all just, love Hughes. <laughs> yeah, we, like I on one of our team Tuesdays where um a, like one of our bosses gives us a question and we answer it and people get to see it on twitter sometimes nice the question was like who is your favorite anime character and i responded with maze hughes oh. and like on twitter after they posted it was like like they said something like only sad comments are welcome <laughs> 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 I'm just like harsh but true. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> but yeah, like I've I've had bad luck of like, oh, I like this character. Oh, they're gonna die. That's the thing, isn't it? Yeah. The, the, the best ones are they're either evil or they die or both. <laughs> yeah. Though. 
if there's one fight scene that I still think is special, it's Pira versus Cinder. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's really great. Going into that fight, you know what's going to happen, but you hope you're wrong. Yes, that's the thing. You like, I mean, Pira, Pira's name is so perfect. Yeah, Pyrrhic. You know, it's such a Pyrrhic victory. Um, and, you know, she busts in and and you, it's like you got a pit in your stomach where it's like, I don't think you can win this one. Because also, because we had just seen Cinder beat Ozpin. Yeah. Who, as far as we all knew, he, well, that's the strongest guy on earth. And Cinder just killed him. So, uh-oh. Um, and so, but you want her to win. You really you do. do. And, and so it means that, like, Para's death was impactful, not just because a character we all like died, cough, cough, penny, yeah. <laughs> second time, but because there were so many stakes around it and because we were given so many reasons to like want it to, to work mm-hmm. out. Um, and damn. <laughs> I think another thing going into this fight is that Pira knew she wouldn't win. Yeah. But she had to try. Yeah, but she had a to, true hero. She had to bide time. No one else was coming, as far yeah. as she knew. You know, like she didn't know that Ruby was running up the wall or anything. You know, it's just I. That's what. That's what a huntress would do. That's the bad yeah. guy. I need to save the day. Oof. Yeah. I mean, I get it. Why everyone likes Pira so much. Yeah. I. I didn't really like her during. <laughs> well, it's because. I didn't like how often we were focusing on her instead of Team Ruby, ah. you know? Yeah, like, I was just like, yeah, she's cool and all, but I could at least let us get to know Jean and Nora more. Like, if we're going to have a Juniper arc in the middle of every volume, you know, <laughs> why is it always got to be Pierre and Jean? Um, so she's definitely annoyed me, but I also, I can't deny it that it's like, despite how much I didn't quite enjoy her when she was alive i understand why people do like her and why people do still really want her to come back even though i think it would be for the best if she stayed dead yeah um because otherwise kind of like penny you know her sacrifice would be in vain and i don't think bringing her back as like a zombie or like a grimified reanimated thing or anything like that i don't think that could help much um but i get it you know she she was a good one yeah man we just got sad talking about this (laughs) and it's hard not to get sad (laughs) um and since you mentioned the phantom and getting sad yeah uh, let's talk about some of the music um for the longest time i couldn't listen to cold without crying (laughs) (sighs) that's fair yeah Yeah, wings will kind of do that to you yeah wings for me it's bottom tier like on songs that made me cry like i got over (laughs) wings quicker than Mm. cold yeah cold definitely it hits you in a different way but there is there's one song that i still cry listening to and that's indomitable i knew i was gonna guess indomitable it's it's a good one and i you know i'm really disappointed with how they used it in the show because um it's when ruby you know she opens her eyes and she she freezes the Leviathan. Yeah. And the lyrics that they play at that point are they're just very on the nose. You know, it's yeah. um, um, the light in, inside shines. Yeah. Um, basically. And so it sounds like the song is just about Ruby using her eyes. And once you listen to the full song and, and realize that it's about Monty and I think the rest of the song, it's really great. And so I wish they had just 
played more of it during that episode. So then it didn't just sound like Jeff or well, Casey rather singing about what was literally happening on screen. I um, think it also would have been impactful if it played during the credits. Yes, that was weird. Their credit songs, I'm pretty sure. Like they had one that was like about Blake and Yang. And then just another, like maybe one about Salem or something. It was weird choices for that one's credits, for no. sure. <laughs> Uh, with there's just a there's not many songs in Ruby that do make me have that pure tearful reaction. Yeah. But one of them was the volume four opening. Fascinating. Because of the move onward, not there yet. That's fair. Because That's fair. I was just like, oh, it's Monty. <laughs> Fun fact. Uh, Jeff actually wrote that song. Uh, it was supposed to play um, during the dance in volume two. Uh, yeah, and they decided to go with something else. So it's cool that it was able to, to come back again yeah. for volume four. Yeah. And um, in Grim Eclipse, there's a Monty Easter egg. Oh, if like you have to go through this like tough section because it's like a platforming section and the game's not made to be a platformer. Oh, so you have to earn your way to the spot, but it's in the Forever Fall Forest, and you see a circle of trees in the shape of Monty's signature. Oh, that's delightful! It that's is. awesome! It is. And I'm just like, oh, Monty. So, I will say one thing that was fun, you know, since you played the Amity Arena, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I really haven't had a guest able to talk about the game as well as me because they're like, oh, I never played that. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, it was such a good game, even though some things were broken. Some things were like Nora, Rocket Nora. At the oh. Uh, <laughs> Emerald, um, Emerald was broken the moment she was introduced. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, the most broken unit in the beginning was when they just brought in the legendary units, Bumblebee. Yeah. Ugh, I hated yeah. Bumblebee I before they nerfed. With Bumblebee. <laughs> uh, and seeing your name, I feel like I faced you once or twice. Probably. I feel like I've seen you before as well. You're like, but I'm not sure. <laughs> Though, one fun fact I had with Amity Arena is I actually got to face Neef. Wow, that's so cool. (laughs) Yeah, because Ren's voice actor like posted on Twitter once that he got Amity Arena (laughs) and his favorite units. Like he would use, like, I think he said if he could, he'd just have an all Ren team, (laughs) which I can't blame him. Uh, But yeah, since no usernames could be the same, Oh yeah. Huh? With so like every once in a while I'd be like, okay, random match. I'd see Neath Ohm. <laughs> and I'd be like, okay, time to put on my game face. Don't get starstruck. <laughs> Don't embarrass yourself. Don't embarrass. Yeah. And I though I will say this before and after every match, Neath would give a thumbs up. Oh so he was a good nice. sport. Yeah. <laughs> uh the one unit that helped me live through Amity, especially when it was pay to win heavy near the oh, end, yeah. was Junior. Junior! junior. Was, yes, yes. such a good unit. 
<laughs> especially if you could time her right because like because if you could surround junior with like the little scorpions then that was okay but so often they could just they had so much splash damage and the only thing that could really fight him off was was rock and yang and so it was like oh no no <laughs> so one of my favorite yeah, yeah. strategies was i would bait them using junior and they would panic and put down the baby death stalkers and the next unit i would put down would be flint oh no oh the strongest combo yeah it is flint was my nemesis uh it wasn't my nemesis um bumblebee for a long time was yeah i mean they they dealt so much damage and they had so much range and also they were a tank they were they they did so much um then my nemesis became Jin when she came to amity arena because she never should have come to amity arena yeah she was broken that she was, was. <laughs> now do you especially were... with the 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 uh, glitch that people could do for a little bit there that was bananas <laughs> yeah just like this unit's invulnerable oh for how long yes <laughs> Another unit that I, that I enjoyed using was the Beowulf pack. Yeah, that was fun. And one I, thing I did just to mess with my opponent is I wouldn't put the Beowulf pack in the left lane or the right lane. I put you them put in, it in the middle. Yeah, so, they so split up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's just like okay, Ooh. which. T- just which turret do you care about more? The left one or the right one? Pick your poison. Penny. Penny was my, and specifically um, flying Penny. Because uh, she had the laser that would deal like progressively more damage. Yeah, just like Coco. Yeah, yeah. But she was flying. So like sword attacks couldn't hit her. So my plan, what I did, how I won, <laughs> it would be load up one side, like send a bunch of stuff towards just like the right. And so while they're focusing on that, just drop a penny on penny. the other side. Yeah. And they and they never notice penny until it's too late. <laughs> I tried to do that, but they always seem to notice. And I pride myself in saying I got to arena 10. Yeah. <laughs> Cause if you make it to arena 10, you've earned it. Cause, yeah. yeah. Cause you have to really like, because the meta changes so often as well. It did. Because for a long time it was like like only tiny enemies worked like you had to just overwhelm your opponent uh but then there was like a phase where everyone was using junior and so you had to figure out how to handle the heavies and so no there is one unit that i say was forever busted and they never nerfed which one ursa major especially Ursa. ursa major level 13 yeah, because I was like, it took everything. Yeah, it <laughs> even did. Though, even though it wouldn't fight back, it would just walk forward. But like, you ended up having to throw like 14 different things at it in order yeah, to- Yeah, and to... by the time you throw that, they have another Ursa Major ready. Yeah, and it's like, no, no, please. <laughs> uh, I, for a while, I believe on the Amity Arena subreddit, I made some memes about that. <laughs> uh, but- my favorite glitch would have to be Disco Bear. 
<laughs> you, do you remember what Disco Bear was? Oh, didn't it? Oh, that wasn't the one. It didn't like start flying or anything. No, no, it didn't fly. Yeah. What you nope. did was you put down an Ursa Major and right behind it, you'd put down a neon cat. Would she push it? Would yeah, she would push it, and the oh. Ursa would go as fast as Neon. Oh, no. <laughs> That's and, so broken. It is. That's and, so dirty. And, what's and the, also, because Neo, because that was her thing, is she would taunt. like Yeah, Neon. Like, and, uh, and, yeah, yeah, Neon. And things, so things would um would focus on her. And, and she so, was in Alfred, the, and she was and, invincible. And so you're putting out all these all these things to like gotta stop that bear, but they're focused on neon for so long, and it's like, no. <laughs> yeah. um, that's 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 horrible. I love that. <laughs> yeah, thanks, but like once they realized how broken they made neon, they nerfed it, where she would go through the bear. Oh yeah, I guess that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, but then there was another unit that I loved like, close to the end when I didn't care about trophy scores and the game was ending anyway. Yeah. It was the White Fang Lieutenant. <laughs> he was beefy. Not a whole lot of people used him, but... Yeah, because he was him, so slow. He was so slow. And, like, you basically... He basically needs to be at maximum level to be any good. But yeah. if you got him up there, it's like, well, game over. <laughs> yeah, because he would do, like, 800 damage in one swing. And yeah, it was so One much. swing <laughs> going into something with did 800. And then when he'd take his chainsaw out of it, it'd do 800. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's a, a bananas character for, yeah, for, but for the end there. <laughs> my favorite unit to use was the Petragigas. Oh, I was never good with it. Like, I I couldn't figure out how to make it work and have it actually do anything useful. Like, I was no good with it. So I, I have only respect for people who were smart enough <laughs> to, like, yeah. properly defend it and have it do everything you needed it to do. <laughs> like, in the beginning, the way I defended it was Flint. Makes you know? sense. And then I'd have like some lancers above him to do aerial coverage but then i got a certain legendary card and i thought i can work with this and they got raven nice <laughs> so it'd be like okay tough units already at the turret place down raven place down petrogigas teleport <laughs> to that unit petrogigas <laughs> is at the turret what are you going to do now no <laughs> uh, so, um one I wonder if I could still find this image because it is the most broken thing I have ever seen. And uh, was it one of those ones where it's like, yeah, it's like five group units and then you put down Emerald. So she doubles everything. And like the whole screen is just, it's just Deathstalkers. <laughs> I... I've definitely no. seen that. <laughs> no, it's not the Death Stalkers. It's actually worse. Oh, no. The uh, Lancers. <laughs> no, it's not Lancers either. Um, because someone... Because um, this is an actual comment you could still find on Twitter. Okay. 
uh, someone said, oh my god, apathy needs to be nerfed significantly or outright banned. Apathy! <laughs> yeah, and Ruby M the Arena comment with, you have entered the apathy arena. <laughs> Honestly, apathy is just use, just usable now and is finally worth it or a value after it's three to four updates ago. You might have lacked experience in fighting it since players don't use it all the time there once was a time where it was like this and i'm gonna dm it to you on twitter as i i love i've had forgotten because i i played with the apathy because once you can get it right it, they were so overwhelming it was exactly they honestly they worked exactly and, like how and, um the show did um, uh if you look on twitter <laughs> i just sent it to you it's sending right now Nice. Yep, there we go. Oh, that's vile. <laughs> <laughs> that's gross. <laughs> oh, that's disgusting. <laughs> and um, I'm only going to be reading this, really, because I I miss Amity Arena. It's also, I would have fun because I would message them on Twitter and they would respond. <laughs> They were very active with like participating with with people yeah, who contacted with the them. fandom. Yeah, yeah. Like, what was one thing like? This is so good. Like, I'm just yeah. looking at these apathy. I, yeah, I sent them a picture of that one DJ from Junior's Club. <laughs> you know, the one with the bear head, dead bear. Yeah, yeah dead bear. And I said, hey. I appreciate the hard work you put into AMD Arena. I know you're planning on new characters, but I have a feeling there's someone in the yellow trailer that needs some love. <laughs> and they respond with, haha, dead bear. He's always on the back of our minds. <laughs> it's a shame, you know, like, okay. So Amity Arena was uh, pretty broken and it was very pay to win. Like it had a lot of issues. But it was pretty fun for for what it was, and so it's it's a shame that that it ended up going out so quickly. Like it felt like just overnight. It was like, okay, guys, we're gonna even stop. <laughs> I think we had it for two years. Yeah, which isn't so, very long. Um, one of my favorite things to do was to drop a port, and then drop a velvet. Oh. Yeah. yeah, I remember that. I think I did fight you. <laughs> uh, the the most broken thing I ever did was a port of velvet in emerald. Ew. <laughs> that's so bad. <laughs> it, it was, it was. But one of my favorite times is when um, my velvet got hit with uh, Nora's ability, that hammer Nora, the one that launched him into the air. Oh, yeah. Because the weapon went up, but she didn't. <laughs> Just look at this image I sent you. <laughs> That's ridiculous. It is. It, it, it's it's glorious. And like I made a joke to them on Twitter again back when they were around like oh yeah. you should add the shadow people into amity arena <laughs> they'd be a group like the death stalkers but it's just people um, <laughs> effectively the white fang goons <laughs> but worse <laughs> uh no i made a joke like when you put them down they should um be different 
like you put one down it's normal the next one's like a flying unit because you never know what they are they just that's actually that's a cool idea actually (laughs) and they responded with like what did they respond with it was like that does sound like a cool concept but it's too random for us that would it wouldn't really work with the balancing I suppose. Because, <laughs> you know, the Nukalavi wasn't random. No, it, it wasn't. But well, I don't know. It's just... I, I sent them <laughs> one of... I forgot I sent them one of my memes. And they responded, like, with LOL, yes. It does indeed look behind the high-spirited Arena 9. Thank <laughs> you for the laugh. <laughs> and uh this was back during the christmas event oh yeah and uh this is the meme i made <laughs> <laughs> that's great <laughs> yeah uh. <laughs> but yeah i i miss amity arena it was fun yeah it was nice to have a way to keep interacting with ruby when it was when it wasn't airing or anything yeah and also the units that they added was fun especially why yeah why was fun they played with so many different like 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 a lot of background characters you know mm-hmm. of, cor- of course we had like ruby and juniper but i never expected arslan to make it in or i never used her me neither but it was nice that she was there you know yeah, like I... it was nice that they were willing to play around with these background characters so and one thing i liked about amity arena is how it would add more detail to some characters yeah and i, I wish ex- it was stuff that was in the show but yeah you know it it was there <laughs> and especially since it's written by atlesian scientists in the game development section of atlas yeah so it like it had like in-universe characterization you yeah know? so that's really cool and one thing that i loved is what they wrote for ironwood's card basically they were like oh he's the great leader uh of our military <laughs> you know staunch defender of all the kingdoms what a like I, it was something along the lines of oh menagerie what about it oh wow yeah because we never really see any of that kind of stuff in the show like yeah because menagerie is technically not a kingdom yeah not really (sighs) though i i do wish we saw more of that with blake being in menagerie with sun yeah back back in volume like four and five yeah and with volume four and five fun fact uh about me personally i was actually a big fan of corsican fenix fascinating i was neutral (laughs) um the reason i liked them was i liked a threat blake had to deal with but couldn't fight yeah that is a cool idea because then they had her fight them anyway (laughs) yeah because the way they felt like they were the scheming kind of villain not yeah, the very behind the scenes. On. Not the kind where you could just, you know, run and run up to them in the middle of the street and start pummeling them. Like that doesn't work. Uh, so that would that would allow Blake to like have to think with on how how do I beat these guys? How can I do it playing their politics game? Yeah. And then they just attacked the Belladonnas. And so yeah. whatever. <laughs> yeah, so so that became whatever. 
what's it? Like, I suppose I have one headcanon that I haven't told you. And that's the headcanon of um, Team Ruby coming back to Vale. Mm-hmm. And the, you know, of course, they're going to be fighting a horde of Grimm. They start to get overwhelmed by the amount of Grimm. And all of a sudden, you see like a rocket take out most of the Grimm and Junior's fighting with them. <gasps> I would love that. And like the twins to like Melanie and Melsha, that would yeah. be Yeah. <laughs> and like Team Ruby would like ask, like, oh, why are you fighting with us? And Junior would be like, this is my kingdom too. That'd be great. I'd love to see like, like, junior come back because i thought he was really fun yeah I, I thought junior was interesting because he wasn't a bad guy per se he was yeah neutral. he was yeah he was very neutral like and fun fact besides being a club owner he technically does have a job and that is an information booker information broker so people go to him with like, hey, what can you tell me about this? He's just like, well, do you have a price? <laughs> for right price, I'll tell you. And he's willing to do that for anyone as the yellow trailer shows. Basically Miss Muffet, but interesting. <laughs> yeah, Miss Muffet, but in Veil. You know, you know what I wish? I wish Miss Muffet was, instead of being, you know, little Miss Muffet, um, I wish she was instead Mama Bear. Because we never get a see. Because Junior's baby bear in yeah, the is. Goldilocks story. and we, But we haven't ever seen Mama Bear or Papa Bear. And so if like that was just like, it was like a, a family ring of information, like sort of like club owners or whatever. I think that would have been cool. Um, no. And then, I don't know. I just like Mama Bear. <laughs> yeah, one thing that I think would be interesting is if we ever do get like a Stark series or a Starks comic. If there's like this proud mom and pop club. Yes, that's a great idea. Yeah. Again, got passed down to him. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a cool idea. <laughs> and I another idea I had, like we haven't talked about Team Stark, so let's do that. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, what would you like to see from a Team Stark uh, side series? Well... I mean, the big thing is I want to see, like, first, I want to see them become friends and then fall apart because Team Stark aren't together. And, like, the first time Crow and Ty talk to each other, there's, like, blatant animosity between them in Volume 3. And so it's like, what happened? Like, what, other than just Summer disappearing, you know, what really happened to break the team apart a team that is all related <laughs> like through marriage and blood they're they're close and so that's the big thing is i want to see what the big event is that really had them all fall apart because surely it couldn't just be summer died or went missing or whatever it is um that <laughs> right and this this leads to another head cannon. Which, sorry for having so many of these. No, that, it's easy to do with Ruby. <laughs> yeah, it, it is, it is. Um, but I have, I don't know if it's true or not. If it's true, okay. If it's not, okay. <laughs> it's one of those head cannons. Yeah. And it's that Ty's weapon when he was in school was just his fists. 
and that his semblance was he could make his fists as hard as metal. Because he's King Midas. That's my headcanon. Something to say this, but no. Uh, The book series actually has a King Midas. No, it's Rumpelstiltskin. Oh. Zam. my bad no no you are far from the first person <laughs> like oh wait yeah because he could turn that thing to gold dang it yeah <laughs> shoot 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 <laughs> this is it's the apathy all over again <laughs> it's okay no yeah, yeah, no, yeah. lots of oh, yeah professor have... rumpole yeah rumpole. i should have seen i should have seen it right there dang it don't they also fight with like a spinning wheel I can't remember. But I <laughs> do know- a lot of people attribute Rumpel to being like King Midas. Though I will also mention that like doubling up on on like fairy tales isn't super unheard of. Like for example, Crow is the scarecrow from The Wizard of Oz, mm-hmm. but through his relationship with Raven who is Hugin, which is a raven. Oh yeah, Hugin and Mugen. Yeah, so Crow ends up being both Mugen and also the Scarecrow. So, you know, like, we, so we could probably have two people with a King Midas reference. In and them. fun <laughs> fact, um, we actually do get two and Ambrosius. How so? Uh, first, um, in development, his codename was Merlin Daddy. Yeah. <laughs> and second, um, Dalius from Greek mythology. Because Ambrosius was the food of the gods. And mm. Dalius was an inventor. Oh, fascinating. And also, <laughs> with the kingdom of Atlas, and some people attributing that river of Grimm being like the river of Styx. Yeah. I, yeah, Ambrosius of Greek mythology. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But certainly makes more sense than Merlin. Like, <laughs> um, I think it's Merlin because of the hair and the staff. Mm, possible. And also his code name and development being yeah. Merlin Daddy. <laughs> so, do you remember Henry Marigold? Of course I do. You know what his code name during development was? Why would they give him a code name? <laughs> no, what was it? It, I kid you not, it was called Shittier Neptune. <laughs> <laughs> he really is. <laughs> he is. Uh, but, and also, you, you know, let's talk about the characters that never got the amount of love they deserved, whether it be the cool designs, or they were here one second, gone another. CL. I I have two reactions to this. I want to play along and say who, but on the <laughs> other hand, I would be like, yes, yeah, because I rem- She was so, I'm, I'm so disappointed. She never showed up hey, while they were at Atlas. <laughs> don't worry, so is Murder of Birds. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I can't no one, blame him. No one is a bigger CL fan than Murder of Birds. <laughs> and, and that's I get fair. It. I get She's it so interesting. She like, is. What a, what a cool concept. The fact that the robot girl is like normal but then the the not robot girl like she's all robotic yeah That's and fun. i <laughs> believe she was based off of the white rabbit 
The white rabbit. From Alice in Wonderland. You know, I'm late. I'm late for a very important date. No time uh. to say hello, goodbye. I'm late. I'm late. I'm late. See, I thought she was the blue fairy because, you know, the blue, she's partnered uh, with Penny and the blue fairy brings Pinocchio to the life. The blue fairy was uh, Freya. Freya had a fairy tale? <laughs> uh, yeah, because, again, she's the maiden. I guess. I Because, mean, like, Amber's not anything. Yeah, n- not that I'm aware of, I should yeah. say. Yeah, um, but also, you know, since Seal's got the, the star on her forehead, yeah, you know, like I, the wishing star. Yeah, I so, suppose yeah, I could see that's, that. That's what I assumed. <laughs> yeah, but Seal, uh, you know, love to see her again. Uh, one that I'm just like, oh, you're gone. Sienna Khan. Oh, yeah. I mean, she was a cool design. <laughs> yeah, she was a cool design. And then we... I think she would work really well if, like, in, like, a spinoff thing. Like, yeah. I don't see any good use for her in the show. Right. But she was an interesting idea. So if, like, a book featured her, like... That'd be the... cool. Yeah, I think that'd be really fly. Um, another one, uh, I'm only saying this one as the a meme answer, uh, Pilot <laughs> Boy. Dude, pilot boy, that's the best character that we've had. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I still like that. So are we carrying dust? Officially, no. <laughs> Actually, yes. <laughs> I love pilot boy. I'm sad uh, he I'm sad he's dead. <laughs> uh, and I believe in development he was supposed to be gay. Yeah, he was gonna reference like I need I want to get home to my uh husband. husband. Yeah, yeah. But they didn't want to kill off the first gay character which is Un- fair understandable i suppose yeah. they could have just not have him die <laughs> yeah but like, whatever i guess like i believe a joke in the fandom is like the 11th hour for team ruby has come salem's about to kill them then pilot boy shows up <laughs> dude i would i would be delighted <laughs> i'd be oh. like this show is worth it again watch ruby you have to watch it all the way through <laughs> it doesn't work yeah. <laughs> I, I, you gotta remember pilot boy forget for ruby with forest <laughs> this is pilot boy show now <laughs> i demand a pilot boy spinoff a pilot boy video game he also he never gets a real name his name is just pilot boy <laughs> we, we call it pilot boy because he was a Oh, boy. In the pi- uh, do you know Fire Emblem Three Houses? I do. Pilot Boy is our gatekeeper. Yes, gatekeeper. <laughs> yes. You're right. That's the most correct sentence anyone's ever said. <laughs> oh, thank you. But, uh, so did you play Three Houses? I did. I never finished it. I know what uh, happens though. But yeah, it was, that, it was the, the gameplay loop was just getting too... Uh, too much like i was like and then i go and i fight and i talk to the kids and i go and i fight and i talk to the kids and yeah i, I got pretty far but i it just it was like i'm I, tired <laughs> I, I gotta ask uh, which house did you go for uh i followed dimitri <gasps> another proud blue lions member it's the yeah. only good one <laughs> no that's i, I can't uh, no, say that but no i do i think the blue lions has one of the stronger stories yeah um it but that's just me <laughs> yeah it, i've played almost every route um spoilers for fire emblem three houses <laughs> the only route i couldn't do is the one where you fully side with edelgard i yeah. emotionally couldn't do it because i couldn't betray the church <laughs> it's tough it's you know so i think it's really interesting getting to explore the different routes but i really hope that for the next fire emblem that they stop 
doing that because <laughs> I'd like just one cohesive well done story instead of four ones like right. all crushed into the same game like I was no. fine with Fire Emblem Fates and I liked Three Houses but I'd like for the next one to just be a plot and without you having to pick which Pokemon starter you want first you know <laughs> yeah but I, I will say this Blue Lions is my first um proud <laughs> Blue Lions member you know Dimitri for life he's um, the best <laughs> Best side character is either Al Louise. Yes. I love Al Louise and his dad energy. <laughs> and with his terrible jokes, I see a lot of me in him. <laughs> uh, because, okay, let me show you how bad my humor is, okay? Let's hear it. I have an app on my phone that's just dad jokes. That's <laughs> it. <laughs> and one of my favorite jokes which ironically is some of my friends' least favorite joke is hey twin yeah what does a three thousand pound parrot say well i don't know probably want a cracker now <laughs> that's stupid <laughs> it is it is stupid i'm aware of it jokes just like tell you an example hey what do you call an exploding duck dead a fire quacker (laughs) your friends need to get better senses of humor (laughs) a rabbit used to come up to my front yard every day for food but hasn't shown up in a week Now they're just some bunny I used to know. (laughs) These are good. (laughs) Officer, are you actually crying while writing me a ticket? It's a moving violation. That's good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it is weaker. But do you know when a dad joke becomes a dad joke? Uh, I don't. When it becomes apparent. <laughs> hey. Yeah. What has three holes and goes down alleys? I don't know. Batman's parents. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's messed up. <laughs> uh, up i might as well tell you what i told unicorn of war during our last talk is okay so every character fell when that transport system between vacuo and uh atlas just fell yeah dissolved right Mm -hmm. so that means we could have team ruby just relaxing on the beach and just see penny's corpse just land yeah That'd be tragic. <laughs> it would be tragic, but I'd probably laugh. Especially if it was like like after like three episodes on the island and then just suddenly just boomf, and it's like, whoa, <laughs> hang on. <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, 
there's I do know a couple dark Ruby jokes if you want to hear. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's hear one. Did you know Pyrrha's a magician? Oh. Yeah, she could turn a penny into four quarters. I've, I've heard that one. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, if you have a problem, you can always ask Yang. She'll lend oh. you a hand. <laughs> <laughs> and I have a funny story about Yang losing her arm. Okay. I was not at this convention because I've never been to a convention. Uh, but there was this one person cosplaying one of Junior's minions. And he had a briefcase with him. Was Yang's arm in it? <laughs> yes, it was in it, and he was trying to sell it. <laughs> I've I've also not been to a con, but I saw someone they they were cosplaying as Adam, and they had a selfie stick, and it was Yang's like, arm. Yeah, yeah, like yes. it was like his sword with Yang's arm on the end. Oh, so that's good. great! <laughs> but like the guy was doing his sales pitch to Ruby. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just like yeah i just found this um, in a library yeah let's go with that don't worry it is perfectly safe and it cannot hurt you and ruby just goes i know that arm it can hurt you <laughs> and i've also seen jean cosplayers carrying a jar of dirt just labeled pira <laughs> That's oof. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, ashes to ashes. Yep, dust to dust. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I think we've actually run out of Ruby topics to talk about. Yeah, at least for now. <laughs> yeah, at least for now. Uh, so I think we should uh, wrap this conversation up. Well, let's do it. Yep. <laughs> For you, dear listeners, after hearing me do dad jokes, talking about Ruby, roasting Ruby, but also loving Ruby, I, I'm i assuming Twins does the same, bids you a good night, day, evening, or afternoon, depending on when you're listening. Yeah. Any words of wisdom before we leave the audience? Yeah, give me one second to think about something smart. <laughs> we got time. Okay. Don't let yourself be preoccupied of being the best out of everyone, but focus yourself on being the best that you can be because there's only one you. Yeah. That's a very important lesson that I think in this competitive day and age, we do need to learn about. Well, thank you, uh, twins, for giving me this chance to talk to you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Hey, no problem. (laughs) No problem. This has been Will, or Iron Crow, um, from All Ages of Geek, wishing you a good day, evening, or night.